0: Hello again, friends! And you are our friends, and welcome back to another edition of Jim Cornett's Drive-Thru right here on a very cold day for a lot of us. Happy Hanukkah to my Jewish brothers and sisters throughout the land, and we have lots of wrestling to talk about. This is the high point of the show here. This is happy talk. I'm your host, the great Brian Last, and here he is, the star of the drive-thru, the man who's going to save the show this week. Mr.
1: Jim Cornett. Well, now you've stacked me I gotta make some notes here. You've stacked up a couple of things I gotta ask you about. The the cold and etc. you mentioned. You were just proffering to me some nonsensical verbiage about how much you love it when you're snowed in because it's so it gives you such a warm feeling. But first of all, That's has right. Hanukkah started? It starts tonight as we are recording. Well, goddamn, y'all get like almost three
0: weeks jump on Christmas. Well, it's different every year. Oh, how the f- well, the
1: Jewish <laughs> calendar is different than the uh, the calendar of Caesar or whatever the fuck we're. Oh, goddamn it! Now, didn't we go through this with the leap year thing? We did. Well, that that was the the Gregory's calendar. It was it was the Gregory Callan, oh the Gregorian Gregorian. Gregorian. Yes. Gregory Gregorian. He was a he was friends with Kirk Kirkorian who was a movie producer. <laughs> it was his, his cousin, Gregory Gregorian.
0: Where'd you pull that out of? Okay, well let's uh, get yeah, well. You Kirk. don't
1: want to know about that, but back to this. Uh, so. So high, it just, it it wanders around all over the the, the calendar, Hanukkah does? Who, who makes these decisions? How is this laid out?
0: Well, again, the Jewish calendar is different than the Gregorian calendar, if that is indeed what we use. The Karkorian calendar. But Jim, I got some bad news for
1: you. What's that? You haven't even finished telling me about Hanukkah. What's the bad news?
0: Prince Constantine of Liechtenstein has died, in quotes, unexpectedly at 51.
1: Uh, Well, Ed, that would be unexpected. He's 51 years old, in the the prime of his life there in Lichtenstein. I wonder if it had anything to do with anybody that he was Lichten.
0: His death has been described as unexpected, and no cause of death has been shared at this time. Here's a quote. The princely house regrets
1: to announce... The princely house. The princely See, <laughs> so you make it Lichtenstein? funny just by... Re- no, I'm not the... The princely house. Wait, he's the prince. As opposed to the kingly castle. The, the
0: princely house regrets to announce... <laughs> See, it rise. <rhymes. laughs>
1: a- it sounds like a goddamn bit from a 60s musical that Terry Thomas would be doing. The princely house regrets <laughs> to announce... That, a- that we've given the prince the bounce. <laughs> that H... No that H-S-H, Prince Constantine... What, wait a minute, H. I thought it was H-R-H for His Royal Highness or Her Royal Highness. Would H-S-H be His Shitty Highness?
0: I don't know. It says he's a father of three. He's the seventh in line to the throne, or he was... And he's the third son. Oh, but uh, so the throne is safe. Well, he's the third son of the reigning prince, Hans Adam II. <laughs> you don't hear too much about him on the world stage. He was, <laughs> he was, he was overshadowed by his brother, Howells Adam. Well, if you let me finish. The princely house regrets to
1: announce that H.S.H. Prince Constantine. Wait, wait a minute. What about if Nigel McGuinness was doing this on the air? The princely house regrets to announce... The princely house regrets to announce... I'm here with Tony
0: Khan! We're having a great time! Come party with us! Wembley! The princely house regrets to announce... That a. <laughs> I can't even say that. That H.S.H. Prince Constantine von Unzu Liechtenstein. What?! Passed away unexpectedly. Wait a His last name is Liechtenstein. It says Prince Constantine von und zu Liechtenstein. So, zwei drei vier fünf six Ah, uh, he was the chairman of the supervi- <laughs> of the <laughs>
1: board of. Liechtenstein Group Holding AG. So maybe it what, if, what, there's a Liechtenstein holding group. What is the country? Is just a, a corporation now. Well, here's maybe a maybe he was the him. CEO instead of the shitty highness. Liechtenstein
0: is nestled between Austria and Switzerland. Nestled. Uh, he studied law be- before becoming the general is it director. Cradled
1: like a little baby.
0: And uh, he was also the chairman of the board of the Prince Liechtenstein Foundation.
1: It's a role he's held for 11 years. I bet you he's the head honcho of the Prince Lichtenstein Foundation, being the prince of fucking Lichtenstein. The foundation takes care of almost all of Lichtenstein's royal
0: family's assets, including one of the largest private art collections in the world.
1: Well, how did this little nestled country in between Switzerland and Namibia, wherever the fuck you said, how did it get to be so goddamn wealthy? How close is it to Germany? Was there a big increase in in the 40s in its net worth suddenly or art collections? How did this this little tiny monopoly country get, uh, get so rich? Well, unfortunately, there was someone we could have asked about this, but he died unexpectedly at 51. At 51? Maybe he knew too much. You ever think about that? You know, he became the prince. They let him in on a few things. And then they say, "Oh shit. Who's in charge of this place? Oh, Lichtenstein over there. Oh, that makes it easy. <laughs> Just fire
0: Lichtenstein. <laughs> but getting back, how did we get to Lichtenstein? I we thought were... you wanted to be in touch with the news and what's happening in the street.
1: Stay in I'm, touch uh, with everything. Uh, in this, did he, was he, did he die in the street? Uh, what? In a, in a gutter somewhere? Was he a drunk? No, what? It, it, here's the thing. He died unexpectedly, I assume, because he was 51 years old. It's not like he'd had chronic creeping crud for the past 10 years. He appeared to be a person in good health. But isn't it really, unless somebody's actively sick, isn't it always unexpected when they die? Because what's the first thing you say? Somebody called you and said, Hey, old uh, George just died. Shit! I just talked to him last week. Well, if you if he was able to speak last week, you're surprised he's dead now. It always happens that way. All right. Well, the Princely House regrets to announce that we have more show to do. Well, I regret to announce that Last Manor is uh, the scene of this train wreck. Once I get us back on track and then it's your show, you can take over. But how do you, as a proud Jewish individual, keep track of this if it's uh, different every year or or rotates around or modulates hey
0: we can come back to hanukkah in a second what did you think in 88 when they put out the calendar the nwa and it's all about missy hyatt every fucking <laughs> hot-blooded male wanted to see the missy hyatt photos but then you had to get like whoever brad armstrong and just various yeah, men and yeah.
1: speedos it was well and and actually they had asked us to go uh, the midnight express and i to go and shoot the goddamn thing and said and we want you to be in beach attire and I'm like, what the fuck? And this was at a time where Crockett had not sold the company yet, or had he? It, or maybe the sale of just We were getting jack all of shit and royalties of anything. Had no merchandise. We're making no money whatsoever. They want us to get dressed up like we're going to the beach. And on a day off, fucking go down there and have pictures taken for this calendar we knew we weren't going to get any money for. So i looked at bobby i said do either one of us look like we belong at the beach and he said no corny i don't think we do i said i think we'll let stan go to the beach he was made for the beach and he had the best picture in the calendar
0: i can understand him wanting stan and even
1: to a degree bobby at that point in 88 but you they wanted you in the calendar well, No, but the deal what i would have gotten the fucking hawaiian shirt and the fucking <laughs> baggy shorts and flip-flops and white <laughs> shit on my nose or whatever. But I wasn't going to go to all that trouble for fucking free when it was stupid anyway. Right. And and coincidentally, I, th- I, I think Stan ended up getting a check for like $300 for, for... But, I mean, he just had to go down as is. So again, if you're a horny
0: wrestling fan in the 80s, is it worth oh, it? Oh, you sure Missy you
1: want to look at Stan Lane, right? Is it worth it to
0: get the Missy Hyatt calendar if you have a page with Jimmy... That Jimmy Garvin, i Jimmy Valiant. They didn't go that far. No, Jimmy no. Garvin, I like get a speedo. It's just
1: well, no, what was and that's the process? thing. I think I can't even remember was Precious still that she would have been the only other female. It was all guys otherwise. Missy was on the cover, and then there you go. And it wasn't nearly what would be available of Missy in the near, not too distant future. At that point. They should have done a Missy Hyatt calendar. would have sold a ton compared to, well, it, compared to that calendar, I think. It would have at least, you know, inspired more people to go to the beach. But, but nevertheless, well, it, so you don't know anything about this calendar business. Because, you know, we got on the bus season coming up. And I want to make sure we don't step on either one of yours and mine's celebrations here over the holidays we got to very carefully go over these dates and everything. Do the people know about the the on-the-bus season this year that we traditionally do for our holiday festivities and jollification? I don't know. Why don't you tell them? Well, I'll just do that. Even though I'm not allowed to reveal some of the topics, because it's still being hotly debated over there at Sharknado Central. But uh, we got, what, two more of these drive throughs and we're going to be doing two more experiences before the end of the year. And then from the Christmas and New Year holiday area, from what, about the 23rd, 24th through the 1st or 2nd, we generally release compilations, if you will, the -the on-the-bus season where you can jump on the bus with us And uh, drive around some of our greatest moments of past and many of our triumphs. And you can also relive things that we said years ago that have come stunningly and startlingly true. And these things are lengthy. So if you've got family or close relatives or even distant relatives, you know, visiting for the holidays, you can go in a room somewhere, lock the door, put the wireless earbuds in your head and listen to us and get away from all of that type of thing.
0: Oh, well, we have a lot of fine omnibuses. Jay Sharknado has been working hard on them, and we think everyone will like them. We have actually a whole bunch. We have more in the works for the future, and we'll also have regular updates if anything big happens. We'll be on YouTube with the big things or the
1: stupid things. <laughs> yeah, if any landmark event happens, both of a newsworthy or just a stupid uh, principal. we we will do live breaking news updates on those things but otherwise we do you said we got some omnibuses planned for the future does that mean we get to take more time off from recording and watching wrestling
0: well, not necessarily we like to sometimes just mix them into the feed so people don't know when they're going to get it like a big surprise
1: oh you don't know when you're going to get it not That's, like the Ric Flair kind of, you don't know when you're going to hey, get it, but the the I, fun I, video we, kind. Can we say that on, in today's climate on the air like that, heavens to mercy. All right. But anyway, but the buses are coming folks, line up at the stop and jump on the, uh, the train or the bus or whatever the fuck. Well, the, the bus, conveyance.
0: you mentioned that we may uh, come back. Well, I did too, that we'll come back and do some videos if anything really stupid happens. And I have a, Stupid story to get to in a moment here, Jim, but I don't even know, so I don't want to just do it. Are we talking about Cornet's collectibles, or have you shut down for the season?
1: Oh, 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 oh. No, well, yes, <laughs> we've almost shut down. We're almost sold out of everything. No, in, in all honesty, at JimCornette.com right now, you've got almost no chance to get it by Christmas domestically if you order now, because, fuck, we're two weeks away, and you're not even motivated enough to get your order in by this point now um everything is still available except you may notice that we have sold out of some of the iconic cornet face shirt sizes if you're trying to pick yours and you see a sold out the reason for that is we always stock up every year and every year the demand increases and we might not have time to get it to you by christmas so we are making that unavailable for the but otherwise everything's there Jimcornette.com. Do what you will, but I cannot be responsible for people that have waited this long to get their stocking stuffed for Christmas. Would the figures even fit in a stocking? Well, it depends on package? how It depends on how fat your old lady or mother is. What's
0: not? It's not the stocking that's going to fit on their leg. It's
1: they're getting the stocking on the mantle. Well, where do you think stockings originally came from? Before they made stockings for Christmas mantles, the people in the in the olden days, they would put a stocking up from a stocking from the fucking drawer where they kept their undergarments, their their lilies and their petticoats and things like that. And and then that's where the tradition started. So if you had a really fat wife or old lady or mother or whatever. You could get a lot of fucking presents that way. Well, they used to say if you were big and fat in the old days, that meant you were rich. Well, that's right, because most people couldn't afford it. That's right. Heather Feather would have been looked upon as the richest woman in the world back in those days.
0: Uh, And I bet you, you could get a lot of stuff in her stockings. (laughs) There's the annual Heather Feather mention on the show, ladies and gentlemen, for everyone who waits for that. Jim? Yes? I mentioned a story of stupidity i don't know whose stupidity maybe organizational stupidity the jacksonville jaguars have been in the news (laughs) it started a few days ago their quarterback trevor lawrence got hurt and walked off the field with the help of uh, security i believe no golf cart which would usually be there to help an injured quarterback or any athletic professional i imagine doesn't have
1: to, it doesn't have to be a golf cart it can be a motorized conveyance it's not golf it's football but the idea is they couldn't pick his bitch up with something on wheels and drive him off the field they had to throw his arms over their shoulders and help him out like they did in the old days when they won one for the gipper
0: like you're waiting for a heel to come up behind him and get him,
1: hit yeah, him in the yeah knee.
0: <laughs> now It's worth pointing out after this came out and everyone was up in arms, the quarterback has come out and said he refused the cart. He wanted to walk off, making him the first person in
1: Florida to refuse a golf cart ever. (laughs) But after that, Jim, another story has broken. Well, you know, think about it now. How many times did they have the stadium stampede football field fuckery match down there? And and they did a golf cart spot every time. That is funny, I guess. So could it be that they (laughs) disabled all of their golf carts? That is interesting. Where was the golf cart? A a report
0: has found that it was used by a wrestler named Kenny Omega (laughs) to run over Sammy Guevara. But Jim, as I mentioned an article from The Atlantic by Katie Strang and Kalen Collar, sounds like a fucking NXT tag team, former Jaguars employee Accused of stealing more than $22 million from the team. A former Jacksonville Jaguars employee is accused of stealing more than 22 million from the franchise between 2019 and 2023. Can I stop you one
1: second? Yeah. I I want you to continue, but just I've seen because there's been so much coverage of this and so many different articles. One of the great opening lines I've ever read. <laughs> is this one that I'm looking at. A former Jacksonville Jaguars employee has been accused of astonishingly brazen financial crimes. (laughs) Emily, this one was from across the pond. They covered this in England also. But go ahead. It's the same story. I believe The Athletic
0: may have broken the story, but uh, I like the way the British put it sometimes, too. (laughs) Uh, Exploiting the organization's virtual credit card program, and he used that money to buy, among other items, two vehicles, a condominium, and a designer watch worth more than (laughs) $95,000. Some of that money was also allegedly used to purchase cryptocurrency and place bets with online gambling sites. Amit Patel, who worked for the Jaguars for five years, starting in 2018, is named in court documents filed in U.S. District Court in Jacksonville, Florida earlier this week. The Jaguars were not named in the federal filing. The organization was referred to as Business A. <laughs> but the team confirmed <laughs> very Tony-like. That bu- business, comma, A? <laughs> Just Business and giant capital A. But the team confirmed it was the victim of Patel's alleged crimes. So let's stop there for a second. This guy had access to their virtual credit card system
1: and ran up over years, what did they say? $22 million? $22 million. Um, And I'm looking at a couple of... Apparently, he was listed in past Jaguars media guides with the title of Financial Planning and Analysis Coordinator or Manager Financial Planning and Analysis. He was described as both. Um, But yes, apparently, they've got so much money that they just didn't notice. Uh, $22 million. This fucking guy was drawing off of their credit card system. And he also had a condo in Ponte Vedra beach, Florida. Uh, Oh, here. He also spent some of the money on a retainer with a criminal defense law firm. (laughs) Apparently he was planning ahead there. um, But yeah, $22 million. And how could you not notice this? (laughs) This guy was a private jets and luxury hotels for travel with his friends. Didn't they, didn't they notice this fucking guy wearing a hundred thousand dollar watch? Yeah. Even if he only took like 4 million a year (laughs) or something, no one noticed. (laughs) Hey, where's that
0: money that was supposed to be in this account?
1: So, um, He hid them by identifying, or hid the fraudulent charges by identifying reoccurring VCC transactions such as catering, airfare, and hotel charges, and then duplicated those transactions. He inflated the amounts of legitimate reoccurring transactions. He entered completely fictitious transactions that might sound plausible, but that never actually occurred. So he was kind of doing this like Tony Khan books wrestling. That might sound plausible, but <laughs> where'd
0: all that money go, Patel? Oh, I used it to buy uh new
1: shoulder pads for the team. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you next week. And if you have any other questions, speak to my criminal defense firm I have on retainer. He also got uh, sports memorabilia, assorted electronics, and a country club membership. And some NFTs. Hey, you know what? If you're, I'm going to assume, and you know, you never know. Someone
0: could be a complete moron. I'm going to assume this guy's pretty smart because he got this position. He obviously has some kind of background. And then he uh, allegedly committed this fraud. But to commit this kind of fraud over several years and expect to keep doing it, what does it say about the organization that he thinks he's working for? He has to in his head think he can get away with it. You only do it if you think, I'm working at a shit show. I can take whatever I want. No one's going to say
1: anything. Well, yeah, but he's doing his own like version of a real-life heist movie here where he's just under their noses. He's working for them, and it's not like he, you know, he made the big one and got out. It's like he did this for five fucking years and one would have to think that he was pretty comfortable that nobody was paying enough attention to where he would get caught for this and at that level even like you said even 5 million bucks a year or whatever how do you expect to do that year after year and not get caught and especially when when you're not i don't know how much the Financial planning and analysis coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars is supposed to make, but I bet you he wouldn't be able to afford a watch worth $100,000. Watch this, not this specific thing, but watch something like this
0: become a story in the future with AEW. Just with all the various things. Why are they booking these big arenas? Why do they have the schedule they have? Why is this done this way? Why? We're going to find out something because, according to reports, AEW has record gross income, I guess is the proper way to put it. Because there's a big difference between gross income and net profit.
1: Gross, it's positively
0: disgusting. It's dripping in blood. But there's a big difference between gross income and net profit. Yes. And they've grossed apparently into, what, $150 million or so. I have the exact figure somewhere. They didn't make any money on that. They didn't make any money on that. Where's all the money going? Is it all going to wrestlers? $100 million? Or production? Minus what's offset by your partner at Warner Brothers Discovery? Where's all that money going?
1: You know, I gotta be honest with you. The roster of people who we never see and have forgotten are there that are still getting paid over the course of this thing, it's always been that way, is massive. But... You know, when you're talking about tens of millions of dollars, because, I mean, they, they can get up into seven figures easily just in a couple weeks of TV taping, uh, tapings worth at of rent at these arenas.
0: How many so, wrestlers are making seven figures a year? That shouldn't be. I mean, I'm sure there are several that absolutely well, should. Moxley, Jericho, MJF, Omega. Uh, the but young, bu- you, well, but the young you bucks add, making that kind of money. Yes. How do you justify that? And they're not the only ones.
1: You got to add the Buckaroos to that because they've been the ones to actually blab, it. they had to make sure that everybody knew they were making more than Hall and Nash. Because, <laughs> but you know, even say what you want about Bischoff, but he wasn't, he wasn't signing people just to, you know, fucking collect them. But the, the the expenses on these arenas and the expenses on, I don't really understand. I understand when they book the same building in the same town on consecutive nights. That does save transportation to another town, load out and load into another building, blah, blah, blah. You get a maybe better rent deal on two nights than you can on one and two different places. It it's there, but it's not millions of dollars difference in in that type of thing. But when they're when they're in the same town on Wednesday and then again on Saturday, I because then the unless they're talking all these people into sitting in a fucking hotel room for two or three days, then they're flying people back and forth. And unless the building has no other tenants. Are they still doing a loadout and a load in again because somebody's there in the... I mean, I know live touring is not what it once was. Are they paying a premium to make sure that nobody's in there on, you know, the days in between? I It just... This thing is massively expensive to fucking operate, especially when Tony doesn't care how much it costs. I mean, what is i'm just i'm just grace slick and whoever the fuck's still alive from are they getting a hundred grand a year just so we hear that song over and over well grace uh you're talking about for
0: orange cassidy yes oh, grace slick still alive yeah i thought you were talking about the earlier jefferson airplane but you're well about no that, that's Starship. what
1: i'm that's what i was saying is who else whoever else is still alive is getting a check a lot of people are getting a check from tony khan a lot of people and i could I can see where they would lose track sometimes, especially if somebody like this guy was on the inside and knew what the fuck. That who can keep this shit straight? It, Before it, his it, exit, Patel oversaw
0: the company's monthly financial statements and department I'm sure budgets, he did. and served as, served as the club's administrator of its virtual credit card program which allowed certain authorized employees to request VCCs for business-related purchases or expenses. And that allowed him to make all these alleged fraudulent transactions. So
1: he was basically telling, well, I guess Shad in this case, well, uh, does it... Well, tony's is, Shad's, involved. is shad so rich that he doesn't have anything to do with the jaguars or the aew or anything he just sits somewhere and he's the owner on a throne he's the owner tony's very involved mega is very involved there's obviously football uh executives also very involved but well but but that's what i'm saying in jacksonville florida does shad live in jacksonville or is he over in merry old england or Chicago. I'm not sure where he is. Chicago, he's Jay. He's remember the jet set. He's he's flying around the world. The point is unless Shad Khan is like Vince McMahon and wants to know every goddamn thing at every second going on in his company, he has whoever he has let run this branch of the Empire. It's just an NFL pro football team, one of the smaller compartments here in my, in my empire. They were thinking that employees were charging or spending or turning in millions of dollars a year, more in expenses than was really true and didn't check into it or didn't say, Hey, what are you guys goddamn spending all this money on or anything for years? What the fuck? There you go. I mean, there could be similarities. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on anybody's financial fiduciary responsibility, but with with the decisions Tony makes like this and if they're running that thing like they run this, how the fuck would you notice? Because
0: to look at it, I think, fairly, there's a difference between making money From business expertise and having a way you run a business that you would apply to various other enterprises and making your fortune from a patent. And it's not to put that down, that's just as valuable, obviously, as anything else. But Shadcott's money comes from the patent that he owns that other car manufacturers have to use to sell their trucks. That's what's made him a billionaire. He's taken the money he's made and the money just keeps rolling in because people have to keep using that patent. So no matter what, money keeps rolling in. And what has he done with that money? He's bought the football team. He's bought the uh, football club team in the UK. I don't know. When I start with football, I don't ever know where to go next. He has, obviously, AEW. He tried to buy Wembley Stadium. He's got nothing but money, but he operates everything still like it's a family business, it seems like. So the money comes in. Lots of money comes in. Who's really looking after what goes out? It doesn't really seem like anyone is. They, you know, and they can't win. They always look like shit to the Jaguars fans who don't really like them. AEW fans, the the armor, or whatever you want to say, the grace period for Tony is kind of worn off. The football fans in England protest in the streets from the team raising the price of tickets, even though they lose. Again, it's making, really? making well, money f-
1: making wait money a from a patent
0: is different than making money through being a businessman
1: running an organization. And and don't just put that on the football fans over there because now understand that for Wembley Stadium next year they've raised the prices basically through the fucking roof from the tickets that they or the prices they charged for tickets last year so even if they don't do the amount of people they can try to get to the gate and they're going to just soak fewer people for more money per head. Is that what is that their strategy with the football
0: too? I think they're trying to get every dollar they can out of anyone who will leave the house to come to one of their events. But with Wembley, it's interesting, and I know we'll talk about Dynamite on the experience in a few days, but Shivani at a few different points, for no good reason, started plugging Wembley or talking about the success of the ticket sales of Wembley on the show last night. The first time he messed up because he said, they've already sold 3,000 pounds. Whatever he said, he messed up, and I'm messing it up now too. You'll hear it. But then they started saying, you know, over 4 million dollars already wrestling fans don't give a shit like who's that for why is Shivani obviously with Tony Khan in his ear announcing we've already done 4 million dollars in ticket sales that doesn't promote buying more tickets <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. that doesn't appeal to the common fan wow they don't know what the gate is to any of these shows why would you yeah. say that
1: it's two things number 1 last time they announced the number of tickets which was What was it? Sixty thousand? Yeah, it started off with like a giant number. I don't remember what it was. Okay, this time it was half that. As as we're trying to figure exactly, but it's somewhere around that. But they didn't announce the money, so they could announce and four million dollars to Tony. He not only reads the sheets and keeps up in the UFC and WWE game. That sounds great to him, but he doesn't understand what it's like. To have a job as a goddamn guy driving a plumbing truck to people's houses all day, and he hears a four million, they go fuck. He don't need any more of my money, cause he's rich. And he and when when the first time I was ever on TV in Memphis, when Jerry Jarrett had me present Jackie Fargo a plaque from my championship wrestling magazine as an excuse for him to be there, so he could be involved in an angle that I had no idea was going to trans, transpose in front of my eyes. And I have said, well, should I say about Fargo, he's this, he's that. I said, he was the biggest box office attraction. And He said, don't say that. He said, if you notice, we never talk here about the, how big the crowds are that we draw or the money that we make in, in, in that terms because— We don't want to make it look like it's a business thing. Don't say he was a big box office attraction. Say he was most popular. And, of course, Lawler, as a heel, started bragging about being a big box office attraction, as he should, and that's the way Jared always portrayed it. The heels talked about how many people wanted to see him, how much money they made from these no-good hillbillies. The babyfaces, they didn't portray it that way. It was all the popularity and the championships they'd won or whatever but not the money they drew but nevertheless that's the only thing that tony could think of to announce that was different covered up what he would have to announce a lesser crowd than the last time so he did it this way but it doesn't sit as well with most people for all the reasons that you just mentioned Well, that's the
0: latest with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Why don't we stay on the topic of con family business, Jim? Ric Flair and AEW has been a controversial (laughs) issue with a lot of people up in arms about the fact that Tony would even bring him in. And then the revelation that it was part of a big deal. They put out a press release that Ric Flair was in, and so was Woo Energy, his new, some might say toxic drink. (laughs) No, I kid, I kid, I kid. It's certainly not toxic, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, be your own judge. But Ric Flair and his energy drink were in there. And it came out this week that I guess Tony Khan wanted to put out something so that people knew that he wasn't exactly paying Ric Flair.
1: Wait, I do this is goddamn it. It's, uh, it, again, it's something that he feels the need to comment on and then just makes himself sound stupider or makes the whole thing sound worse or whatever, or some variation of that theme. They announced that they were doing a sponsor. They were uh, that Ric Flair was going to be a part of AEW television and they were doing a sponsorship deal with Woo Energy, right? And they even announced uh, they didn't have to say this, but they did. It was a multi year deal. Okay. Well, obviously, since Sting is retiring in not even six months, four months, whatever it is, then that's certainly less than multi-year, so already they had tipped off that Flair was going to be around longer than the the television storyline reason that he was there to help his friend Sting finish up. Have I conveyed that as clearly as possible?
0: I believe so. We are under the belief that Ric Flair will be there. Again, multi-year deal. Now, I don't know if that, again, it's it's a little different if it's through the sponsorship of the energy drink with him. I wonder how it affects other parts like any legends deal with WWE. Is he under any
1: deal right now? Do we know? I don't think he is because he's doing his own thing in a variety of different places. I'm not sure if AEW wanted to put him in the video game or have an action figure of him. Could they do that? Well, but hold on here. Now we're asking a bunch of questions ahead of time. And also I'm not sure WWE wants to do a deal right now with it. Does anybody in the WWE have their own brand of weed? Have they taken that step thus far? What, what's the, UFC standpoint on that? Uh, I guess Riddle would know.
0: Yeah, I don't think they do yet, but I think it's something maybe for the future. But probably from potheads.
1: Ric Flair notoriously wasn't a pothead. Well, yeah, and that's why I was like, "What the fuck? What is? I don't understand what's it with the wrapping paper suits and the the weed brand." But nevertheless, what I'm saying is they have been all over the page with announcing this to begin with. Flair comes out on television, says he wants to be there for. Sting's retirement, but then they immediately also announced that there's a sponsorship deal going on with Woo Energy Drink and it and that they've signed Flair. It's a multi-year deal. And but then Tony doesn't want people to think that he actually signed Flair. When that's in effect what they did, it will break this down, but you you whatever you did, you did, you signed it. Who's paying him is regardless. So he says, well, no, actually, and then he phrases it the only other way could make it worse. No, we're actually making money on Flair. They're paying us for him to be on TV. Like, say what you want or not, but Flair does not have to pay anybody to be on their fucking television. Well,
0: here's the exact quote. and I have an article we'll talk about a little bit more uh, a little bit later. But it's from a New York Post article. The quote, we're not paying Ric Flair. Ric Flair is essentially paying us. We're getting paid by Wu Energy for all of his appearances, so we're collecting revenue from them. So, Ric Flair is being paid by Wu Energy, who is paying AEW to promote Wu Energy. Let's just start right there. Whether it is or isn't a pleasant-tasting drink or not, (laughs) if you're Wu Energy, are you getting your money's worth if you're paying a considerable amount right now for the promotion. Are you getting ample promotion for your product, do
1: you think? Good Lord. Well, first of all, apparently what the deal they made at, or they made is, at at taking Tony at his word there, is that Woo Energy, which is not Ric Flair. Rick's not brewing this shit in his bathtub, you know, in Charlotte somewhere, right? Me and three flight attendants. (laughs) Woo! No, and and I assure you, they're using a whole completely different stirring apparatus than what you might think. Huh? Uh, but who? Uh, but uh, whoever is behind the the financial whoever whoever and or is the behind. well, whoever's operating Woo Energy is paying Ric Flair for his image and likeness and be the spokesperson of this beverage concoction. And they're also apparently they have paid. Tony Khan to advertise their pro their product on his program, and they're compensating Flair for making these appearances to do same. And they worked it into the storyline that he's there for Sting's retirement. So that's what we now know. But the way that they have announced it is the most awkward and unwieldy thing, and the, then that Tony has to feel the need to come out and make things worse over and over by trying to clarify and or explain, let me clarify this, till finally he basically talks about Flair for the public consumption, like that Flair is paying him to be on his fucking program. He just can't speak publicly and he doesn't know what to reveal and when. And to your question, is Woo Energy getting... I mean, Flair is being Flair on the television program doing what they're asking him to do with Sting, but we've made fun of it. There's one fucking can of each of the three flavors, whether it be battery acid, unicorn vomit, and fucking horse piss, or whatever it is. One can sitting in front of the announcers behind a barricade, like they have to break glass in case of emergency to get to this shit. Nobody has on cameras consumed this shit. It's not vitamin to Mmm, it's tasty too. Nobody has taken a sip of this shit on television. And it, I don't even know if it's getting mentioned on every show now or whether the, the three cans are just sitting there. We three cans of, oh, this shit sucks. So. It, Flair I, never I, mentions Flair, it. Flair de, Flair's not. <laughs> Remember, Adam Page, you couldn't get a goddamn unbranded, cheap goddamn Costco bourbon out of his fucking hand, but Flair's standing there, he hadn't got a can in his. I remember when Austin started doing the celebration with his own fucking beer? He wasn't drinking the fucking Steve Weiser's anymore, he was drinking his own shit. So if Woo Energy didn't pay for this sponsorship deal, is Tony saying that he wouldn't have Ric Flair on his show? It's only because of the sponsorship? I don't know what, it depends on who he's talking to. Apparently he's trying to, (laughs) for the people who don't like Ric Flair and don't want Flair to be on, he said, well, hey, they're paying us, so maybe you have some sympathy. I got to make some money with this fucking thing. So what am I running Make-A-Wish? But for the people who he thought was going to be all excited because he was to get the iconic nature boy Ric Flair on his fucking vanity program project, he proudly announced, we've signed a multi-year deal with Ric Flair. And and he's he's said both of those things and it it went to different audiences or different audiences he perceived would like the news that he was delivering at the time he was delivering it. But again, it's another example of his ham-handed fucking way of just speaking until something bad comes out and he diminishes what he's trying to do. Well, we'll talk more about
0: AEW in a bit, Jim, but whether it's Tony Khan or Ric Flair... Perhaps the
1: answer will come from a good night's sleep. Well, you know, the answer always comes from a good night's sleep, Brian, because that's where you you go to bed and you recharge your batteries. Or as Ernie Ladd, the big cat, would say, your brain is like a sponge. When it has absorbed all the knowledge it can, you must wring it out. Well, you need to wring yourself out every night, folks, into a Helix Sleep mattress, because I'll tell you what, it will sop it all up and then some. I mean that thing it's like a it's like a sponge in itself. But the what? thing about it, it's a it, it really is. And now here's the thing. Brian, have you ever just well everybody does this. Never, least, I've what? never done it. No. You don't even know what I was gonna say yet. I'm afraid what you're gonna say. Well, I was gonna say something that everybody five or six nights a week wakes up in a sweat, just drenched, just drowning, just sweating and shivering and shaking and goddamn scared to death and and crying, and pissing—you're that happens to a lot of people regularly. No. But with Helix Sleep mattresses, that's not going to happen because no matter what causes you to do those various things, they got a mattress to nip that shit in the bud. If you wake up sweating, you sleep hot, you want a mattress that cools you down. Well, they've got it with their cool down technology. I mean, it's amazing. It helps you regulate your body temperature, whatever the season. As a matter of fact, they had some scientists that had worked for NASA involved in the space program that that helped them develop this cooling technology that is now in the mattresses. And then of course, after those mattresses were produced, well, then those scientists were unfortunately never seen again in no, public. Don't and their say family that. have no, still not true. The cases are still open. But you can enjoy their work even if you can't talk to them anymore. If you get one of the mattresses from Helix with the cooling technology to regulate your body temperature, or let's say you don't want a mattress with fiberglass. Now, we've talked about this here in recent weeks. A lot of people did not know there was fiberglass in many people's brands' mattresses. You weren't aware of that. I wouldn't have thought of that. But there, lo and behold, there it became. Well, Helix wants you to know there's no fiberglass in these mattresses. Because they have their own manufacturing facility, and everybody that goes into that facility not only goes through a metal detector, but also a full regulation TSA hand pat down to make sure they're not bringing any fiberglass into that place. Again, we don't
0: assure any of the listeners of any of the process that you're explaining that would allegedly take place before shipment. We guarantee shipment of a brand new. Wonderful fiberglass free, yes. yes, mattress that you will enjoy uh, opening watching unravel or inflate
1: or whatever word is used properly, and, and of course and laying on sleeping on the big well lay you don't have to sleep now, you can if you want to, it's entirely up to you as long as you're over eighteen, kids, if you want to sleep, get your parents permission, but you can just lay on it, you can read. You can lounge, you can watch television, you can do the hokey pokey, you can do anything you want to on these mattresses. And not only that, but they have a variety of different styles to choose from and sizes depending on how you like to sleep and what position, you know, standing on your head, whatever the case may be. The memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep in some positions and... The 10 to 15-year warranty, depending on the model, the 100 nights free trial, as we've mentioned, in your own home. If you're going to be living with somebody else, then you're going to have to make, I think you have to get the landlord's permission before you bring one of these things in, just to make sure, because these are all registered with the federal government they're very very special mattresses no, none of the, no stop none of the there's special mattresses that's true. well you know you know but there's, there's no registration mattresses. with any government about the mattress well they've got the serial numbers though Everywhere where it says don't under penalty of law don't remove the tag well, why do you think that's the case? Because these things are registered up in Washington. In case is, something goes wrong, they know who to fucking contact. not
0: the case. You can feel free to remove any tags you want once you get the fine helix sleep mattress into your home.
1: You know, I'll tell you this. I bought one years ago. I bought one for my Aunt Lola. And as she was walking down the street one day, a man came up in a black suit with a black tie and a white shirt. He said he was from the federal government, flashed a badge, and he called her, Lola BR549, that was the exact uh, serial number on the tag on her Helix mattress. They keep an eye on all the people that buy these to make sure that everything's okay. You will not have anyone keeping an
0: eye on you if you buy a Helix Sleep
1: mattress. You will have a fine mattress. they They maintain a respectable distance.
0: You may get an email or two every now and then, depending on what your email preferences are that you set up with Helix when you purchase the aforementioned mattress. But that's it. You'll be left alone. No one will be watching you. You'll be sleeping
1: all alone in comfort. Just embrace that information like it's true. And folks, right now, the best part is that you're going to save some money because Helix is offering 25% off all the mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners because it's the holidays and they want you to, to slumber in peace and tranquility during this Restful time of the year. So go to helixsleep.com, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash J-C-E and use the code helixpartner25. See, you're going to get 25% off. It's at Helix. And we're their partner. Helixpartner25 at helixsleep.com slash J-C-E. You're going to get 25% off. And two free pillows. I am laying my head right now, I'll have you know. Well, not right now. I'm sitting fairly upright and vertical, probably at about a, oh, I would say an 80-degree angle. But nevertheless, when I lay down at night, I'm sleeping on the pillows right now, and, th- and they're soft as a box of fluffy ducks. you got to have You've got several of these, don't you, Brian? I actually don't have any of the pillows. I only have the mattresses and the all-form uh, couch. What's the matter you just sleep like you're sleeping on a goddamn flat fucking frying pan? You don't no. have anything to prop your weary head up at night?
0: I have pillows from brand X, which I won't be mentioning, but I do not have any Helix pillows yet.
1: Well, then you know what you're doing, you're you're huffing fiberglass every night, you and the kids and everybody else. I'm surprised your your lungs haven't goddamn rotted out of your chest. Get rid re- throw those things in the garbage. I'm not feeling so well helixsleep.com slash JCE and use the code HelixPartner25 for fiberglass free pillows and mattresses. Brian, you need to I think I think I hear (coughs) you wheezing. Yeah. I
0: don't feel so hot. Maybe we could take a break? I think we better. Well, Jim, we have some more uh big topics to cover here this week. uh, once we wake up from Helix sleep, of course. But why don't we get a few questions from the Cult of Cornet here on the show this week? This was sent to at gmail.com from Sal, the art sensei, and he's a former guest artist of ours on the YouTube
1: channel. Oh, oh, okay. Well, then, then that makes some sense.
0: I had a question for Jim. Recently, I started doing photography and went to an indie show here in Rochester called UPW. I shot some good photos, but the darkness really hindered some of the photos and I got a lot of grain. How did you counteract the grain in your photography back in the day in dim situations? (laughs) The way that's phrased is funny. Also wondering, back in the day, how many rolls of film did you go through at
1: one event? Well, okay, a couple of different questions. First one, there was sometimes you couldn't do a lot, and... Here's a in Louisville. I was lucky because they had bright ring lights, and also because I think I may have mentioned this before the Tennessee territory, they almost never changed or cleaned the canvases until they had so many holes and rips, they just had to get a new one. And they had a purple canvas in Louisville because for the kids in those days, you had a 35 millimeter camera that you had to hand focus on the fly for action shots, and you had a a flash unit, a, a flash attachment of varying kinds. I used a Vivitar 283, if anybody wants to look that up, because it recycled. See, here was the thing. Once you took a flash picture, your flash had to recycle. It had to come back on. It had to charge back up. And unless you got one that was goddamn weighed several pounds and required to be fastened onto the camera with a bracket and even then it was a couple of seconds you were looking at seven to ten seconds so when you took your picture you had to take it knowing that you couldn't take one for the next several seconds what Ed, is that like for a photographer yeah that time in between I'm, yeah i'm looking at the ready light come on come on come on because in if you're in a well-lit room, it might just be a couple of seconds, but you're in the Louisville Gardens with only a ring light and a darkened arena, and you're shooting something that even if you're leaning on the apron of the ring, if they're on the other side of the ring, they're almost 20 feet away, and there's a lot of black, and that's going to drain your battery. But the, the Vivitar 283 had a, a setting that you could sync it up with the F-stop on the Canon AE-1, I believe the F-stop was four, and the setting was blue on the flash, and it was automatic up to like 22 feet. It would supposedly read everything and figure it out. Sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. And it took four AA batteries, and I would go through two sets of batteries on a given night. They had auto winders back in those days. Uh, a thing that you put on the bottom of the camera so you didn't have to wind it by hand to the next frame of the film and so you could just sit there and go and take pictures but it didn't help the flash any so that was good for sports photography in daylight outside like baseball, football, whatever but you would outrun your flash so you couldn't use those for wrestling unless you were using high-speed film and didn't use a flash at all, which was an option. That's where you really got grain because in those days, the color film that was standard use, Kodachrome, was 100 ASA, and the black and white was 125. The ASA determined how sensitive it was to light. And if you were going to shoot color slides, I think it was like a, 60-something back then. So you needed a lot of light or a flash indoors with that type of film. If you got up to a 400-speed film, as they said, then you didn't have to use a flash, but that's where you had to have some type of light on your subject. Uh, You've seen the old uh, newspaper photographer's pictures from the 60s and 70s, where you could tell they weren't using a flash, they were using high-speed film, and the shadows and things could be dramatic, and it could really look cool, or you didn't have enough light of any kind, and you just got shit, and you got blurriness, because you had to use a slower shutter speed, because there was no goddamn automatic bullshit for all this like there is today. Have I bored everybody yet? And here's another thing. In Lexington, at Rupp Arena, They started using a white mat, a bright white canvas with really bright ring lights, and that was too much light for the flash. All my action shots were getting blurred because there was too much light and it was everywhere. So I went to a high-speed 400-speed film and shot with no flash and got some cool different motif pictures that way. But then when they changed back to a fucking purple canvas, the purple canvas soaked up all the light, and my high-speed film with no flash was shite, and had to go back to using a flash. It was a process, Brian. What was the darkest room you ever shot? I tried a couple times to shoot. I was just, I didn't go to Nashville much, but I... Tried to shoot there a couple times when I was going through on the way back and forth to Memphis, and it it just it wouldn't turn out. It was too dark at the fairgrounds. They had ring lights and nothing else. Because I don't, I don't know that they had exit signs lit up in that building back in those days.
0: So the first time you went to the television studio, was that the brightest room you would ever shot wrestling in?
1: Oh, yeah, well, and now the TV studio. You had to use, they they didn't want you to use a flash because it would fuck the cameras up. And I knew that ahead of time, but because it was lit so well and so professionally, you could use the 400-speed black-and-white or color film, and it hardly would even blur in the, uh, on the action shots because you could use maybe even a higher shutter speed than you were using with the flash unit. You had to use 1 60th of a second with the flash attachment. How did you learn so much early on other than trial and error? Was there anything you read? Was there anyone you talked to? All the photography magazines. There were like four or five different photography magazines back in those days. And because they had different magazines on everything, because people actually read shit. And I, I just started buying all the fucking photography magazines. And and I got the Time Life photography uh, uh book series and applied what... I mean, they were telling me how... Insect photography was done and portrait photography, whatever. I just applied what I needed or what I could get out of that to what I needed. But I kind of, yeah, just picked that up.
0: Jim, our next question, the corny drive through at com was sent from Eric in Colonial Heights, Virginia. I've been going through the Mid South TV tapings that have been available on. The Peacock. And I noticed when Cowboy Bill Watts does commentary, he pronounces Hacksaw Jim Duggan (laughs) like Duggan instead of Duggan. Was Duggan ever aware of this during his time in Mid-South?
1: Or did he even care? You know, I don't... Here's the thing. There's some people... Jerry Jarrett knew Bill Dundee from 1975 until Jerry passed away this past year. And I don't know that he ever pronounced his name any other way than Bill Dundee. Not Dundee, Dundee. And Tini said it the same way. And they they worked together for 35 years or whatever it was. 45, I don't know. With Watts... eh, he had a great vocabulary. You could tell by the way he he did his commentary. He was a no. You could tell by the way he did commentary. He's a very intelligent man, and had a big vocabulary, and was a stickler for detail, and all the things we know about Bill Watts. But he called him Dugan, and I'm pretty sure Hacksaw probably said, "Fuck this fucking guy's paying me all this money," and and you know he worked for him forever. He, you're not gonna Critique Bill Watts, right? He was not a person who you easily went up to as, hey, change your shit. So I guess he just never said anything, or maybe something was said, and it just, it's one of those things that he couldn't get it in his head. But I don't know. I heard that when we first got down there, and I heard everybody else call him Duggan. I heard all of his friends call him Duggan. I heard him call himself Duggan. But Watts would call him Dugan. I, I, it's, a, it's a mystery. Tis a quandary.
0: Jim, our next question sent to cornydrivethru at gmail.com from Arya Whitner. Jim, when you'd come up with a character or gimmick, would you create a gimmick and find someone who would fit it? Or talk to a wrestler, find some interesting personality traits,
1: and come up with something from there? Yeah, well, no and yes, in that order. Um, If you're a booker or if you're a wrestler or a talent, sometimes you come up with a thought, boy, this would be a great gimmick. But then maybe, well, probably not for me, but boy, it'd be great. I've talked to Bobby Fulton, who always used to, is just a huge wrestling fan in general, but used to like to come up with different gimmicks or whatever. It wouldn't be... Is something that the particular individual might be able to do, but maybe he might see somebody later on in a locker room somewhere. You know what I thought of? And maybe that guy likes the idea. But if you're a booker or a promoter, you want to, as a booker, you either see talent somewhere that's not working for you and you say, I would like to bring them in and this is what I would do with them. But it, it would be based on some impression that you got from that talent. Maybe not sitting down and going over his whole background. That's done. That's what you do. That's what I did with the guys in OVW or Ring of Honor in some cases. that's It's what you do. But if you just see somebody at first glance, you say, that guy's a fucking caveman or that guy, whatever. Or you hear a promo and you say, oh, I can see him. A guy like this in my head talking like that. That's a way to promote somebody that you see as, okay, here is, you're a movie director and you're finding unknown talent that you think you have a part for. And maybe if you're a writer and director, then you're writing the thing. Oh, this guy, I could fucking write. I could kind of take off on this guy a little bit. You see what I'm saying? Or if you inherit the job and there's somebody in the territory or in the company that, you know, is there and you say, well, you know, I I get this mindset from this guy or I get this impression from this guy or if you amplified this or that attribute that this guy has, whether it be personality-wise or physically or whatever, what would this guy look like or sound like if he had this mindset? And you tweak shit. That's why with the to me the modern day wrestling writers come up with a fucking gimmick and then find somebody to play the part, which is like making a suit and then finding somebody that fits it it's ass backwards it's fucking it's the because just because you've come up with this great fucking gimmick in your mind doesn't mean you can find anybody to actually pull it off what if what if Mark Calloway hadn't been around to be the Undertaker? How far would that have flown? So the writers overstate their importance when they think they're in television and entertainment and they're writing a part and then casting it. Of A wrestling matchmaker or booker sees a talent and figures out a way to enhance them, promote them, develop them make them give them something else that they can use to to be hopefully a bigger attraction in that area or maybe everywhere in a nutshell
0: do you have any gimmicks that you never got to do you never found the right guy but something you had in your head
1: um over the years i've had a bunch of them and i can't think of any right now to be honest with you just because it it moves on you know i it it I mean, and you can have ideas and say, boy, that would be good. But then if you never found somebody to to do it, you don't know whether it would have been good or not, or if the opportunity didn't come along, or if I'd have had so-and-so two years before I actually got him, that was the perfect time for him, but it didn't work as it was because he had to follow so-and-so. But it it, you know, it there was one thing I wanted to do, and I couldn't get OVW developed in time. When I came here in 99, I wanted Tracy Smothers to be involved because not only of what a talent he was and he lived three hours away and he could draw you some money, but also as a training exercise, having him working with anybody in a territory that was going to, they were going to be better students, right? But I thought, you know, what if we, instead of the good old-fashioned southern boy because it it fits more up here what if we made him and this was 25 years ago but what if we made him the disgruntled southern boy to kind of mimic you know john mellencamp is from 50 miles up the road in seymour he did farm aid he wrote rain on the scarecrow what if tracy was disgruntled in the more modern era about how you couldn't go out hunting with your coon dog anymore? Just update people who exist or change them around, but they already exist and you're getting ideas based on who they are, whatever the fuck, right? And not, I mean, of course, there's always an exception. Kamala, there was, you know, that was what it was, but you couldn't probably get away with it. I'm not talking about the, ethnic aspect, I'm talking about you couldn't get away with, in today's modern era, with the Google and the computer with getting people to believe that you just found some grown adult in the jungle and he's never existed before. They would know who he was and that he was from Mississippi, not Uganda.
0: Well, Jim, our next question, our next email, whatever you want to call this, is an interesting one. This was sent to Corny drive at gmail.com from James Hooper, aka Lord Dick Belvedere, <laughs> aka Super Dick. Let me go to his email.
1: I, I wish you would, yes. uh Mr. Belvedere there. Hi.
0: Just reaching out to Jim Cornette. I'm a wrestler in the UK and having some local success with my gimmick. My gimmick is Super Dick. <laughs> the delusional superhero alter ego of Lord Dick Belvedere. <laughs>
1: <sighs> Haven't found out. I'm sure he's on a television show that explains all this to the to the audience. Do you think every time he goes to a show that he passes out a flyer to explain why that they're calling him Super Dick? Or does he do a promo in the ring beforehand with the entire backstory to elucidate the audience?
0: Thank God Dave Drayson's not over there. We get super dick versus super mouth. Let <laughs> me go back to this email. It's going take-
1: wonder which one would win <laughs> or at least come in first. Well, this is where it's going to
0: take a little bit of an interesting turn here. Having found out the young bucks plan to trademark the term super dick for wrestling purposes. I'm obviously concerned and annoyed that this may impact my gimmick, which has got over well with our fans. I plan on fighting for my gimmick. But any advice or support from Mr. Cornette, even if it was just a shout-out to build-up followers to give me more credibility, would mean a lot. I'm a subscriber and genuinely respect Mr. Cornette's opinions on the
1: business. Well, I think Super Dick needs to be supported. I think we need to prop this dick up. Because, after all, if if these... Entitled little smarmy faced pricks from Cucamonga are trying to swoop in and steal something from this man that he's obviously pumped long and hard to get up to where it is today, to make something off of it, to get it to, you know, to bear fruit or whipped cream or whatever. You know, I th- I, th- I don't think they should be allowed to take that away from him. Do you, Brian? I mean, that that would be underhanded. It seems like that if he can prove prior usage of the phrase "super dick" as connected to professional wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever they call it these days, in a court of law, if he can prove prior usage and that he's built this up, and they they want to swoop in and call themselves super dicks, I think I think they're just regular dicks. First of all, I would love to be there for this court case.
0: It's the war of the dicks. The other thing is, obviously everyone's speculating about what the future of the Young Bucks is. AEW has really gotten nothing out of them for quite a while. And they've now trademarked or made the move to trademark Super Dick Party. With word that they may be coming back as a a heel version of their heel selves. I was about to say, they've already kind of been heels a while, haven't they? They Off and on. But now the rumor is, and again, it's a rumor and it's out there and it's so hideous that you think it can't be real. That they're going to form a faction with Colt Cabana and Brandon Cutler (laughs) (laughs) to, I guess, be super dicks, have a super dick party. Look at that. They've grown up. They've grown up from
1: being super kickers to having circle jerks with their little super dick party. I find it hard to believe because I don't know about Cutlet. I don't know about Brandon Cutlet, that piece of bland white meat that hangs around him. I don't think he's got a lot of sense. But Cole Cabana knows that at this point, at this time, in this day and age, in this particular year, that he don't need to be on national television in any kind of pushed position so that people would see through that nobody gives a shit about him. I'm sure he's content to lay back in the background and collect Tony's regular check like so many are doing for appearing on WatchRingOfHonor.com or whatever. But, you know, the, the, the buckaroos, they, the super kick party was their trademark. So now the mirror image of that, the, the evil version of the children at play at the super kick party would be the super dick party where they go around giving each other wet willies from behind each other's back and other different types of treacherous activity. What if the super dicks are the people who stole the devil mask?
0: And that's the faction. It's the young bucks and cutler and <laughs> ha cabana.
1: Would that be the biggest bomb of all time? Oh my god. The shockmaster would suddenly look like the debut of Kane if that was to take place. <laughs> I would love to see that. I would love to Have you ever seen 2500 people in an NBA arena? All have flatulence at the exact same time. It sounded like thunder. You guys all heard that we were trouble in the back. Well, guess what? We were also robbing everyone's bags. Yeah. And also, Tony, don't pay attention to your credit card statements for the next <laughs> few years. <laughs> yeah, also, Tony, thanks for putting us in charge of a virtual credit card program yeah. here at AEW. That should be their gimmick a play on that. We've... <laughs> We've really revamped it from the way that last guy was using it. They come out in a golf cart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what are you, what are your, any other, uh, ad, any advice for uh, uh, Lord
1: Dick Belvedere that, or? Well, Mr. Belvedere, um, no, in all honesty, if he can prove prior usage of that term in sports entertainment uh, on a regular basis, and then he can dispute that trademark and i would think with a relative degree of success because of a precedent as they say that's been set That is something we'll talk about here in a, a minute or two uh but if he's been doing that then then yeah he can he can protest that or his designated attorney or barrister and uh that might hang that thing up for a little while well, we will see. We'll
0: keep up with the uh, world of super dick, or super dicks, or the intellectual property I of... Think,
1: I think he needs, to, he needs to stay hard and firm on his thing. And if necessary, he needs to be ready to go all the way to the supreme penis pump. Should someone be able to declare themselves the supreme dick? Well, maybe not the supreme dick. The high dick. The high exalted grand dick. It may be as far as you can go. Because the supreme dick, I I don't I don't think you could actually how would you quantum would it would it be a would it be more of a just a measurement thing or would it be of a, a, an attitude no, type it's of thing? It's supremacy. It's supremacy. I think it's
0: encompassing everything. It's just all around power and aura. An oral? Aura! Aura! All right, well, let's get your head out of the uh, oral gutter here. And Jim. Let's stay on the topic of intellectual property. You brought it up before. I will read something from the wrestling news because we broke the story. Some people noticed on Monday Night Raw this past week, Jimmy Uso or Jey Uso. I mean, I'll get some of this right at some point. <laughs> Jey Uso. There's only two of them. You ain't going to take you too long. During a video package, the word yeet, Y-E-E-T, on his shirt was blurred out the way the WWF Scratch logo would be, for instance. Well, here's what the Wrestling News reported. The Wrestling News has learned that WWE was sent a cease and desist order last week with regards to the yeet catchphrase used by Jey Uso. Independent wrestler Casey Huffman first applied for the trademark on the term with the regards to pro wrestling in 2021. Huffman is being represented by Stephen P. New and Dusty Gwynn. The parties involved are exploring a potential resolution of the issue. The Yeet catchphrase was blurred on Uso's
1: shirt during Monday Night Raw. And let me just again ask the question, what the fuck does Yeet mean? What does Yeet mean that is... uh, Enough for people to want to trademark it, and I had assumed, and you know when you assume, you know what happens, that this was a word the Usos made up and started using in their promos, because they're the ones that I heard saying it, but this guy has applied for a trademark on this word two years ago. Hold on here one second. The American Heritage Dictionary. It's in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. I'm go well. This is the this is the third edition. I'm not sure what year this came out. It's the one I'm still working off of. Uh, hold on, I'll look here. In the 1994. Oh, it's not. So it's a uh, so there. it's a new one. <laughs> and I'm trying to fucking find. I ain't got yeet. I got yellow. I got yell. I got Yeats, who is William Butler Yeats. I've got yeast. That's an infection that you probably don't want to have any of. I cannot find yeet.
0: What does yeet mean? According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, yeet is used to express surprise, approval, or excited enthusiasm. Here's an example. As the right guard headed to his stall, he uttered two words, just audible above the hum of a winning locker room. Yeet! Yeet! said Olivia Reiner. Another example here, yeet is a verb, also being used as yeeted, yeeting, or yeets. And it means to throw, especially with force and without regard for the thing being thrown. I watch a lot of yeeting
1: in professional wrestling nowadays. (laughs) There is. The wrestlers used to be big eaters. Now they're big yeeters. Um... All right. Well, this is gibberish. But anyway, the point of the fact of the matter is is that our good friend, of course, attorney at law, Stephen P. New, newlawoffice.com, 888, no, 87750 Steve, huh. and his, yeah. And well, I'm bound to forget it every once in a while. The new number, folks, 87750 Steve, and his friend and cohort, Dusty Gwynn, who has done quite a bit of trademark work for professional wrestlers including the Midnight Express if anybody thinks they're gonna goddamn use Midnight Express you'll take it up with Dusty Gwynn and if he just brought the WWE to its collective corporate knees holy boy how do you imagine what he'll do to you but anyway the West Virginia dream Dusty Gwynn well at first he thought that he had been named Dusty because his parents were big Dusty Rhodes fans then he found out that well you know he's from West Virginia He's about that age. His mother apparently had a fling, but nevertheless, so yeet, whatever it means and whatever it's used, is now. It was it was was alleged to be, or was proven to be, I should say, previously attempted to be trademarked and trademarked by old Casey there, and thankfully, Mister New and Mister Gwynn pointed that out, and there's been some settlement made well as we speak with the uh the wwe has there been a settlement made there is there as well there's according to what i've the information that i have received oh wow yeet, uh, wow. yeet i'm surprised <laughs> from 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 wednesday morning let's just say uh apparently the yeet dust up has been brought to resolution to both parties satisfaction i don't know if we can publicly reveal anything more than that but
0: well we will uh, stay up on i guess that's the end of the story with yeet we're not gonna stay up on anything
1: basically yeah you know the but casey uh, we're glad you stood up for yourself and we believe that all you dicks out there should stand up too well casey made
0: sure that he was it sounds like made sure he was compensated for yeet and now he has time and money to eat and of course you could eat this holiday season with our friends or from our friends at Omaha Steaks.
1: Boy, that was going around your elbow to get to your wrist, but I'll tell you what, boy, howdy, if if it's an excuse to eat, I'll take it. Especially the boxes that we get from Omaha Steaks. Uh, Again, the Omaha family, such an incredible bunch of people, Ma Omaha and Paul Omaha and all the little Omaha kids, they have done a wonderful job with this company. Omaha steaks and the holidays go together like like peanut butter and and brittle. What? Well, I don't know what else goes with peanut butter. What? I just eat my peanut butter with a spoon. How do you eat your peanut butter? I hate peanut butter. I don't eat peanut butter. Oh, for heaven's sake. All right, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now, folks. I'll tell you how you can go down a rabbit hole of goodness with meat, and they don't even sell rabbit. OmahaSteaks.com right now the possibilities are endless because they are selling their products at an at, at all-time low price fifty percent off site-wide sale going on right now for the holidays stock up on all the the various parts of the cow or the pig or the the sheep or your the very what kind of animal do you think goes into jumbo franks they're gourmet gourmet. Animals. Well, gourmet animals are involved in the Jumbo Franks, folks, and you can get those <laughs> even 50% off. Holy but not the size of them. They're better no. than, oh no, not the size. They are fat and they plump just amazingly in the oven, but also it's the price that's half. And that's why the butcher's cut filet mignons, the mouth watering burgers, even the easy to prepare meals ready in a flash. You just light the flash paper, throw it on there, the fireball, boom, it cooks the ready-to-eat meal. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless, but the offer will not last long. But they're ready right now to ship your order. They have already, they have laid these cows out. They bopped them on the head. They sliced them and diced them. They've got them all packaged up, flash frozen, to come to you perfectly vacuum-sealed to be ready to cook when you're ready to cook them backed by the unconditional 100% money-back guarantee. That means no matter what condition that you're in, you can get your money back. And no matter what condition this stuff is in, you can get your money back on it as well. And you can save 50% off site-wide as the regular sale that's going on, plus right now an extra $30 off with our promo code which is J-C-E. So, Brian, think about this. Add all this up. Let's say you get on OmahaSteaks.com and you say, I want three cows, and you put in cow three, you're immediately getting 50% off. Plus, with our code, you're getting an extra $30 off. Now, what is the price of cattle per head currently in the state of New Jersey? I have no idea. How would I know that? Who Did knows that? Did you not watch the news this morning? They don't have that on the news. They don't have that on the news in Kentucky. Get out of here! Oh, come on! You mean you don't have the cattle report? You don't get up early at five thirty in the morning and watch the farm report with Fred Wishy to get sure. the, the the cattle prices and everything? Oh, for heaven's sake! Well, I'll tell you. Well, you know what is what the, the price? price? Did you watch you know it this morning? You know what the price is down here? I'll tell you what. It, I'll tell you what the price is. Yeah, it's expensive. That's what the price is. But you can get half off by having your cow shipped to you from Omaha, and then you get another thirty dollars off with our promo code JCE. You have just bought an entire. Now they will not send you the hooves or the horns. That's a, a hazardous material in the uh, you know the post office. They can't ship hooves or horns, and they're also going to drain the cow's bladder before because urine. Cow urine apparently is a hazardous material like battery acid. So don't worry, you will get a cow with a drained bladder. But folks, right now, again, whether it's the franks or the beans of the matter or the beautiful butcher's cut filet mignons, mouth-watering burgers, the sides, the caramel apple tartlet desserts, the whole nine yards, homosteaks.com, 50% off site-wide. Use the promo code JCE to get an extra $30 off. I'm telling you, well, you can't can't move away from this offer without ordering immediately. I implore you, get some cow from Omaha Steaks for Christmas.
0: Absolutely, Omaha Steaks, and I'm getting hungrier as we are talking about it.
1: So I'm I'm getting in the mood to eat. All right, (laughs) well... But don't let me be too bossy. All right. Well,
0: I can't think of anything to incorporate the name Elsie right now, but Jim, let's talk some WWE news. Someone we have not really mentioned here on the show, the COO of TKO, the parent organization now of WWE. The COO of TKO? Mark Shapiro. Will soon be heard to say F you. Well, maybe F you to some of the fans going to arena shows. He was speaking at the UBS media conference and had this to say about possibly cutting back on house shows. Let's go to this audio.
2: WWE, just as an example, though, let's remember they have over 300 events a year with 170 televised. So there's probably while all those other fights, there's a reason to have them, those cards, those, or excuse me, those, uh, you know, superstar events on wwe while there's a reason to have them because it's good for the brand we're building audience we're we're putting them on in c and d counties so we're really stretching the brand and we're we're kind of amassing uh, a greater array you're not what used to is, me-
1: what is a c and d county is that like on a scale of a to f <laughs> but i mean why this guy is he's been a, a an executive with the ufc correct I believe so, yes. And he still doesn't know how to how to talk about live events and where they're held except C and D counties. When do the last t- I'm going to go to Buttfuck County. Well, hold on,
0: I have something here. A county is any county located in one of the 25 largest US cities that has more than 20,000 households. These counties represent highly urbanized areas and account for more than 40% of the households in the United States. Those are A counties. B county... Oh, go ahead. Well, well, go ahead and finish that. I'm sorry. I didn't know there was more. B county, because we're talking about C and D counties, B county is any county that does not qualify as an A county, (sighs) but also has a population of at least 150,000 people, or is part of a consolidated statistical area with a population over 150,000. B counties have at least 85,000 households, and when combined, account for 30,000 of all U.S. households. So now we're talking... for 30.
1: 30%. 30%.
0: 30%. A C county is any county or consolidated statistical area that is not an A or B county and has a population of over 40,000. Any area that is classified as a C county has more than 20,000 households or is located in a consolidated metropolitan statistical area that has more than 20,000 households. This is 15% of the country. And finally, D county, not A, B, or C, (laughs) and there are no limits placed on population. D counties are considered very rural and are generally far from any sizable population area. When combined, D counties account for roughly 15% of all U.S. households.
1: So he's making it sound like the house shows are primarily there and those except, are. The one- except when they run Corbin, Kentucky, or something like that, in between Cincinnati and Knoxville, do they ever even run a C county by that description that you just that you just gave? What is it? Eh? Again, he—you can tell he's already down on him because he's, you know, jacking off on the house shows. But he's gonna. These people don't realize it's not like the fight game where guys in UFC or boxing or whatever. It's better if they only fight two or three times a year because it's a real fucking fight and they got to train, they got to have a camp, then they got to rest up and blah blah blah. But wrestlers have to wrestle. You can't just train them to do the match in the gym and then turn them loose in front of people. That's why you got as many people now that can't get over in front of a crowd because they don't get the experience. If you took house shows away, and I guess they've already partially done it, but that's like taking concerts away from rock stars and just have them do records. Then You don't get to feel with the audience. You don't build an audience. Wrestling, traditionally, from the dawn of the time it became a thing in the 1800s until 20 years ago or whatever, was built primarily on a model of touring and making money in markets big and small because you could tailor the show or your expenses or how much it cost you to, or whatever to whatever market you were going to. To the point I saw Danny Davis actually made a $5 profit on a $103 gate on an Ohio Valley wrestling event at St. Therese Gym once in downtown Louisville. You could make money at some level off of almost anything or you could... Like Tony does, you could spend money and and not make it off off almost anything in wrestling. But to to just attempt to cut back on the house shows because that's not your profit center hurts the talent on the roster because then you've got less and less experienced talent already. That's why the guys of previous generations were so good at this because whether it was good for them or good for everybody in the long run, they did it constantly and they got to be experts at it and improvising and different audiences and coming up with shit on the fly. And the more you constrict that and the way that it's all overproduced and pasteurized and homogenized now anyway, that's why you've just got guys doing athletic routines and uh, performances in a ring, which doesn't get emotion, which doesn't sell tickets.
0: Well, Jim, let's go back to some more audio from Mark Shapiro, COO of TKO.
2: Ray of eyeballs from all demos, so it's good for our long-term growth. From a margin perspective, they are dilutive. So there's probably an opportunity as we go through our, our efficiencies and our, our synergy opportunities to cut back on some of those non-televised events, which, of course, will push, push our margin up. So we're, we're going through that exercise now. On the UFC side...
0: Well, let me stop it right there just because you probably have never heard it just phrased that way. We'll get rid of the live events, the arena shows, the house shows, because it'll increase our margin. When in wrestling history could you have ever said that? We get If we get rid of the yeah. live events, we would increase how much money we're making.
1: It's a complete reversal because there was no way to make... Money, except on live events, at one point, and now they're like, "Oh shit, we can't afford to run all these live events; that cost us a fortune."
0: Maybe stay out of the C and D counties then, but I don't know. But let's go back to uh, more from Mark Shapiro.
2: I would, or let's say WWE. Let's stay there for one more second and just tell you when you talk about the experience economy. There, we just put WrestleMania 40 on sale right in Philadelphia, and you know, 24 hours later, we're, we're, we're sold out at, at the highest per cap we've seen. Uh, and our Survivor Series, which took place in November in Chicago, it, across the board, I got the report card the next morning. It was like, you know, I wish I wish all business ran this way. Merch was up. Ticket per cap was up. Ratings were up. Sponsorship was up. Local sponsorship was up. Uh, our premium experiences were up. It, it, insanely up, too. It's, it's, uh, it's a good place to be if you're in the, the WWE game. Uh, and then back on the... Let me stop it there. What do you think
0: of that? Again, this is someone... We don't know if he's a fan or has ever followed wrestling, certainly not as an inside fan, but he's someone now, one of the people in charge of WWE, and he's getting this report card, as he put it, highest gate, merch records, all these different things. You can't do
1: that forever. What do you think of all this? <laughs> well, you know, I heard another legendary figure say, well, if we're smart, business will never go down. Look how that worked out for everybody. That was in 1999. Um, You know, again, I'm not saying do WrestleMania live in Des Moines, but can you imagine the music business without concerts at all? Can you imagine? What about if, if... The NFL or NBA or any other sport, every game that was ever played was on television or elsewise they didn't play it.
0: You see, it's better to compare it to sports because here's the difference when you bring up a concert. Bands make their money at concerts. They make their money on ticket sales. You know, Ticketmaster works with a lot of acts and they add a ton of unnecessary fees. The thing that they don't want to tell you is, yeah, they get big salaries because they're paying the artists. The artists are getting a killing right now they're making a killing i guess i should say from concerts they have their own merch you could run a big or a medium-sized tour
1: and make money but with wrestlers you can't do that you have to go to where they book you well but for the fan experience so it's the same thing what if you were a fan of the rolling stones but the only time you ever got to go see them is if they were going to be on television or if, if you were a football fan, but the only time you could ever go to a game is if it was going to be on television, because they didn't do it anymore if it wasn't. You know, just because that's the the place they make a ton of their money still doesn't mean, you know, you build fans with live events and live appearances. And like I said, wrestling was always geared to, you know, we can go in and open up a market and scale it where we can make money. They ought to do that again. You don't have to do WrestleMania Live in Des Moines to get people to come to Des Moines. If they're not making money on their live events, I don't know why they're not doing their live events differently. There's a way to make money doing live events. Well, the other thing, too, is when
0: house shows blew up in the late 90s, you had Steve Austin on house shows. You had big stars on house shows. You're not you know you're not getting
1: Roman reigns on a house show, but they've got enough stars now that they could spread it out where they don't have to pay all eight of their top eight guys to be in Denver on Saturday night, but they could sure have two of them and a bunch of other guys that need the work, and they'd probably do okay if they scale their tickets right and blah 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 and it helps it helps build fans and it helps build the younger wrestlers careers because they are seen without the constrictions of television where they, you know, that's uh, the live events again is where most guys made people fans of theirs. Some people on television, usually the ones that could talk or looked odd, but when you went to the matches and you saw, Oh wow. Fuck that. Terry Funk's the greatest I've ever seen or whatever. Then that's then they started following them on, on television. Well, you know what I'm talking about because you were yeah old enough uh, still to experience some of that era. It was a it, big it, it was just, a big it,
0: deal to get to attend wrestling. The I you know it's crazy just to think of the idea that that a kid in you know a C county whatever that is could watch wrestling and not be able to attend it. I mean, in a sense, it becomes a really big deal then when you you know, fly out to Las Vegas for a pay-per-view or something. But it's just crazy to me. I mean, I grew up with the Nassau Coliseum. It's not exactly you and Louisville every week, but, you know, every couple of months they were going to be there.
1: But, you know, that's, well, we've talked about it when I've mentioned 40 years ago on in my schedule when I was in Tennessee doing the small spot shows. When pro wrestlers from a big, highly rated television program from Memphis came to Corinth, Mississippi featuring Jerry Lawler and handsome Jimmy Valiant and all the people they saw on television, they would draw 2000 fucking people in some case. Cause they, they didn't get to see people from television, but at the, but that's another, the Lawler and Andy Kaufman match or the, Jerry Lawler versus Bill Dundee loser leave town match wasn't held in Corinth, Mississippi, because they knew they weren't going to draw but a couple thousand people. They tailored the show to the market, but there's still all those thousands of people would then, they'd say, shit, we got to go to Memphis on Monday night when Lawler faces so-and-so because they got involved by seeing it live, all those kids in all those small towns they either grew up to become wrestlers or they grew up to become wrestling fans. Well, here's the other thing
0: in terms of making money right now with running arena events. Just like we're talking about with Tony Khan, you don't need to run the biggest building in town. If WWE ran smaller buildings, again, I'm not sure of all their buildings, but something you don't have a big rent on, and they didn't lug around so much stuff that isn't really necessary for an arena show yeah. unless fans really just expect it and demand a Titan Tron and skits or whatever, just give them a wrestling event.
1: How do you lose money on that? Well, and this came up almost 30 years ago when I was in Connecticut. This was 96, 97. They, when they started adding talent to the roster, they realized they couldn't book them all on one house show or they'd have you know 12 matches, which wasn't done back then, and they still don't do it. And so guys were off, so I said, "Why don't we run B towns and pick up some extra money, give these guys some work?" And I started talking to Ed Cohen, who booked the the live event schedule in the arenas, and yeah because Vince liked the idea, but they at the time they gave me, "Well, this is what we need on a house show to break even it was I was like, "What the fuck this is this like a goddamn sold out Louisville Gardens at your prices? Why would you need this to break even?" Well, because the way that they did things, the way that they bought time in markets, the way that they set a market rep, the way that they, you know, uh, priced the tickets and they did the advertising, all the stuff. I said, and the buildings they ran. I said, we're talking about B shows, run smaller buildings, work out deals with colleges, and think about what they could have done here. They were fixed to be the hottest television program on the air. We were about a year away from it, 96, 97. I said work out a deal with these big colleges and some of these markets to just get a small WWE event in their gym that seats 2 or 3 or 4,000 people, and maybe you'll get some people started watching the television, you know, out of that out of that demographic. And what? uh, again, we weren't talking about coming in with a live event that would rival a Madison Square Garden card. We're talking about all those guys that weren't getting booked regularly with a main event or two and and do a local sponsoring group possibly that could help with the advertising and cut costs down and promote like wrestling used to, but they couldn't figure it out. How not to spend a fucking fortune... On running a live event. And they ended up then business took off and we didn't go any further with it.
0: When Vince went national, he obviously got his TV into every market, but what really sealed the deal was running shows in everyone else's market. Because it wasn't just wrestling from another place here, and we could still go see Vern's wrestling. It was wrestling from another place here, and we have to choose where we're gonna go. Not we have
1: to, but everyone may not want to go buy two different tickets for two different shows. Well, yeah, and that was you know every promotional war of any kind uh, centered around trying to run the other guy's fucking market, if not to do well, at least to take some of the the money out of that other guy's fans' pockets, so that he would do worse as well and see who'd quit first. In a lot of cases, and right. that was an old
0: tactic. So, irrespective of any of the problems in AEW with management or. Seriousness or the team, the executive team, or just any of the problems. If WWE is cutting back on running these shows specifically in medium size or smaller markets, is that an opportunity for AEW? Again, don't run the biggest building, but if there are going to be fans that are not going to have the opportunity to see main event level TV star wrestling nearby,
1: yes. Is that an opportunity for them? Yes. And uh, again, if there's a million people in, you know, the big city in New York or in Los Angeles or in Chicago, there's enough people you can run as we've seen multiple events and still, you know, you may take something away from the other ones, but you're still going to get a crowd, but you can't run fucking Syracuse (laughs) constantly, right? If the WWE is pulling out of all but the biggest markets that they do television or pay-per-view in, then AEW could go into some of those medium-sized markets or even smaller markets in a four- or 5,000-seat building or some kind of venue that could be—nobody uses these convention halls anymore. Remember, Miami Beach Convention Center, not only you know the home of wrestling in Miami for Eddie Graham, but— they did the Muhammad Ali, Sonny Liston fight there. And it was just a big exhibition hall like a Comic-Con would be in, but you can put bleachers and movable seating and get three, 4,000 people in a lot of these places. The Commonwealth Convention Center here in Louisville that now is the Kentucky International Convention Center or whatever, Crockett ran because he couldn't get the gardens. And he, had it, he had it set up for 4,000 people. That building is downtown. It has Comic Cons and all kinds of functions. Tony could have run that instead of the fucking 23,000 seat Yum Center, and it would have been full, and the atmosphere would have been great. So try the medium buildings and the medium markets and get the enthusiastic fans that haven't been overserved on their live wrestling. You'll have a better atmosphere kayfabe
0: is dead aew doesn't have heels or baby faces anyone wrestles everyone then no one sells anything so there's no real sides to anything is it worth it having everyone just in a company bus go from (laughs) town to town as opposed to having rent cars
1: and stuff kind of like motown on the road no are you out of your mind They're in NBA arenas with separate locker rooms and star dressing rooms, and they're still getting into fucking punch-ups in the back. You want to put them all on a fucking bus till 4 o'clock in the morning to the next town? And film it. And Well, there you go. That might be the only reason.
0: Jim, before we completely move on from this, a report also out this week confirmed, I guess, I think Triple H said it, WWE discontinuing their home video unit. No more DVDs, no more Blu-rays. What are your thoughts?
1: Well and I read that also and and I, so they're just giving up all of that money. They don't need to make that money for all the people who would want to keep and I know a lot of these shows are interchangeable. I'm not saying anybody wants to, except for the people in Cardiff might have wanted Clash at the Castle or whatever. But WrestleMania, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, the big shows or some You know, major happening. Whenever Roman Reigns gets beat, People, fans have always wanted, since the dawn of home video, wanted to keep wrestling on video. That's why I got a VCR to begin with in 1979. And I know a lot of other people did the same thing. You can't tell me that they've produced the program already. They've got a tape. It's not like they're shooting a movie and having to sell tickets to it to get their money back. The program is produced. Besides the cost of duplicating DVDs and and marketing them, how can you lose money on DVDs these days? So, you know there's people that's going to buy it because they want it on their shelf. Like, we've all got all of our favorite movies and disc sets of all of our favorite TV shows. You don't just... Want to take the chance that the next time you want to see it, you go sit down at your fucking computer and see if you can find it on YouTube or whatever you want it where you can pull it off the shelf and stick it in and watch it and rewind it and you know and watch it's a wonderful life at Christmas or whatever the fuck who does not keep their own home video that they like of their favorite shows. In a
0: sense, if they did it, this would create an actual, maybe a better opportunity for them, because there are declining home video sales, obviously, in general, just because of how formats
1: are changing. But people still want physical units to hold and look at. Yeah, I tr- I attribute the declining sales to the fact that every movie made over the last 10 years has been complete shit.
0: Well, I don't know about that, but I will say that... This could be a chance to sell direct-to-consumer from their website, so you don't have to make more units than you need. You can print up what you need, jack up the price, because it's
1: direct-to-consumer. You add bonus items. Well, I wouldn't wouldn't have a problem with that. They said they were discontinuing selling DVDs of their shows, not that you could only get it through. I agree, they ought to do. WWE.com, get the DVD of Survivor Series. I'm with you there eliminate the overhead, cut out the middleman. But to not do it at all is ridiculous.
0: Well, we will keep up with the end of physical units in the future here on the show. Thank
1: goodness I've got enough in the house already. I can watch all the shit that I've got one time and I won't live that long, but I feel bad for the children. Well, it's
0: one of the reasons why I've said it before. If a book comes out that I want, even if I'm not going to have time to read it, I'll buy it right away. Because I know there's a chance it may go out of print and disappear. Or become really expensive and get hard to get. And with television and movies, it's the same thing. If I see a physical unit of something I know I'm going to want, like in my old age, for whatever reason, yeah, I'm buying it because otherwise I've seen shit. It happens with wrestling. I've seen shit disappear and I'll never see it again and it'll drive me crazy. And I yes. want access to whatever I want to see.
1: And I love to hear people talk about, well, I bought this movie online or that, whatever the fuck. If you paid for something online that you watch and you've only got it online, you didn't buy it. You just rented it. It's it's available to be taken away at any point. It's not real. If you can't hold it in your fucking hand and stick it into a goddamn machine that will show you a picture on a screen, it ain't real. Well, Jim, the listeners
0: certainly are like us. They don't want to be shut out of the content they want to see no matter where they live. And we know a fine company that can help them access whatever content they want no matter where
1: they are, and that's ExpressVPN. That's right, because they're another company that doesn't want to see people ripped off and have stuff taken away from them. That's why as you're downloading all this media that you want to keep on physical attributes like discs and tapes and all that stuff, some of these people might come looking for you and try to press charges or slap you around. Well, if they can't find you, they're not going to be pressing charges, nor are they going to be doing any slapping because ExpressVPN will keep them from knowing where you are. You might be in Bolivia. You might be in Cambodia. You might be on a beach somewhere in a deserted, uncharted South Seas Island. Well, if it was uncharted, they wouldn't be able to find the island to look for you and know that you're not there. But nevertheless, there's loopholes in all this stuff, folks. But the important part is that ExpressVPN protects your privacy and lets you watch a bunch of stuff that people are trying not to let you see. Now, to see this stuff that people are trying not to... Only because of
0: the- where you live, not because of any legal issues, but just That's because right. of the
1: legal boundaries of your country. It's geographic discrimination is what it is. And it's, it's all these boundaries, the property boundaries. Now, let's say, for example, you were just walking your dog when you were close enough to peep into Mrs. Randolph's window and saw her wearing her, her white frilly undies. There, It was all innocent. Well, ExpressVPN would have... Mrs. Randolph thinking that you were looking at her from Auckland, New Zealand. See? Now, see, that's a real-life application that you can use and learn from, Brian. But whether and it's it's not only just things you're not supposed to see because of where you live, because of the geographic discrimination involved here. They're anti levites They care about where you live as to whether you can be entertained or not. Let's say you want to watch one of these goofy Korean cooking shows. Well, that's nobody's business but your own. Or let's say you want to see Mrs. Brown's Boys from the BBC. Whatever. ExpressVPN will reroute all of your traffic through an encrypted server so that your browsing activity and more importantly, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, your browsing places Stay between you and your your own personal deity that you might believe in. That's right. Perhaps you're going to the BBC
0: website that's not available to people here in the States. That's a great example. I, I
1: heard they have more BBC sites here in the States than anywhere else in the world. I'm talking about the British Broadcasting uh, Corporation. Company. Council. Corporation. Company. What is it? Council. Whatever it may be. And here's another thing. All the advertisers out there can't buy your personal information from your internet service providers, like I don't need to mention any names, AT&T, Verizon, and and, and that way you're you're not just being bandied about, you're not being prostituted. Your name and your reputation and your likeness is not being traded around by these unsavory people just purely for monetary gain. If you're going to get down on your knees for somebody, you ought to get part of the money. That's why we're going to save you money at ExpressVPN. When you drop down on your knees for them, At least you know you're getting the best deal possible. So right now, go to expressvpn.com slash jce, and you're going to get three extra months for free of protection. This is like wearing a condom when you fuck your computer. You don't want to get any viruses that will leap through your urethra Travel down the tube inside your dick and go right to your colon where it will fester into cancer. No, stop. What are you talking? First of all, pee after you're done. Second of all, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. Express yes, VPN. It, 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 it's when you're sticking your willy into the USB input, you want to know that you're protected by Express VPN. It's, it's like taking a big swig of hydrogen peroxide and just cleaning your computer out. Metaphorical willy. Metaphorical Willie. He used to work. He did uh, uh, the custodial work down at the elementary school. <laughs> but anyway, folks, right now, ExpressVPN reroute your traffic. Be on the expressway to love in a pink Cadillac, and none of the ISPs will know about it. And uh, right now, get three months extra service for free of ExpressVPN.com/jce. Use that code slash. Nobody will know where you are. Your own family won't be able to find you once ExpressVPN reroutes you. Every time they call you, they'll just get a message in some type of vague Eastern European accent saying you're unavailable for comment.
0: That's not how this works. That's certainly not how this works, and you have to, you
1: don't have to, but you can talk to your family if you want, or if you don't want, you don't have to, but ExpressVPN will be there for you. They're not going to determine whether or not you talk to your family. It's up to you is what you're saying, Right. That is correct. Well, you can get that service, but it costs extra. ExpressVPN.com slash JCE. It's super easy to use. Just tap one button to turn it on, baby, and you'll be protected.
0: Well, Jim, as we continue on here with the show, we have more AEW stuff to talk about. A lot of people have been sending this in. I have an article here from 411 Mania. When you just need information right away and you're just manic about it. An article from Joseph Lee conflicting reports on Brian Danielson issuing fines for social media posts. <sighs> Brian Danielson confirmed this week that he was on the AEW disciplinary committee that was responsible for CM Punk's firing from the company. However, he stressed that he was one of three people and didn't make the decision alone. In a report on Fightful's The Hump podcast, <laughs> Sean Ross Sapp noted... Is he The Hump? Are oh, will you stop it? Sean Ross Sap noted that Danielson is still working in that position, which includes handing out fines for egregious social media posts. Sap noted that at least two people that he knew of were fined for what they posted, but it was unclear what was posted or who was fined. Most large companies like AEW or WWE have social media policies that employees have to follow, but one company has policies that have been ignored for a long time.
1: <laughs> However, in the latest Wrestling Observer... Now, now, was, now was that a, a quote directly from Sap Hump there, or was that your no, editorial comment?
0: That was Hump Last with that comment right there. <laughs>
1: Well, it's better better
0: to hump last than hump first, I guess. However, in the latest Wrestling Observer Radio, Brian Alvarez noted that people he asked about the situation hadn't heard of Danielson finding anyone. Likewise, Dave Meltzer called the reports overblown. He noted that while Danielson is on the committee, he is not the person giving out the fines. The committee also includes AEW General Counsel Chris Peck and an unnamed attorney. So what do you think, Jim? <sighs> you always talked about Bill Watts and his fines. Bill Watts was the boss. What do you think about the idea that, I mean, it's so much here, the idea that wrestlers are being fined for social media posts that have not always been productive for the company or for the wrestler? The fines are being issued
1: or said to The Wrestler, related to The Wrestler through Brian Danielson? Well, that's, hold on here. And I have no problem with the concept or the theory of if somebody just blurts out to somebody they don't like independent of storyline or what their television persona is supposed to think, well, this fucking guy's mother needs to be fucked or uh, just whatever. Then yes, you should fine them if they do something stupid or reveal something or say something that makes the company look ridiculous. Of course, if you include that one in there, Tony would be broke by now. But but so I'm I'm in favor of that. And if they're doing that, fine. Maybe I don't know, the next thing might be stopping the wrestlers from actually punching the shit out of each other in the back. But no, I do not believe, unless they are completely all bereft of their senses, and even Brian Danielson's gone off his rocker, that Brian Danielson is specifically the guy calling up fucking Sammy Guevara and saying, Well, you're putting your, your foot in your mouth again there, pal. I'm finding you. He's not doing that because even if Tony said, Well, Brian, you take charge of this, then Brian would have said, Tony. I'll be glad to give you my input and opinion and you make a decision or your fucking lawyer of the week, whoever it is now that Megan's been banished, you know, make the decision. I'll give you input, but I'm not calling these fuckers on the phone or whatever and telling them they're fined. I got to live with them in the locker room. I'm still one of the boys. I have to work with these guys. Don't put me in that position. I can't imagine that he would not have said that. But I I, I honestly don't know why it's been revealed that there's an official disciplinary committee. This stuff would never have been said to even the boys wouldn't know in a previous generation, even if it was true, and now we're all talking about it. If, If Bill Watts asked Jack Curtis or Bill Dundee or whoever his booker was, or if Goddamn Eddie Graham said to Kevin Sullivan or Don Curtis or whoever was in the office with him, well, old coach John Heath, well, this fucking idiot so-and-so has done something stupid. What should I do about it? Those would have been closed-room discussions, and you would have never known John Heath's opinion or fucking Don Curtis's opinion or Kevin Sullivan because Eddie Graham would have been the one to tell the fucking guy. So, this whole thing's crazy to begin with, but I can't believe they'd be insane enough to put Brian in a position where he's fining the boys directly to their faces. I will say, AEW
0: should have put their foot down a long time ago about social media. Even if you want to give people the room to do what they want, the amount of times wrestlers have knocked other wrestlers or knocked the company or actually gone back and forth with each other on there is astounding from AEW. Yes. For a
1: shoot. Now if yeah. I can, I can understand, you know, me and some random person somewhere in the wrestling business in another company. Cause I don't have a company and I don't want one sniping at each other. If they say something stupid and I happen to see it, but if you're working for the same company, then If Tony Khan hears from anybody, hey, get so-and-so's ass off Twitter because they're fucking digging at me and and it's going to cause a problem and we're going to have a fucking issue. Then you call so-and-so, what's your fucking deal? Well, do it face-to-face, call him on the phone, or send him an email. Stay off fucking Twitter and Instagram and whatever else the kids use these days to talk to each other because they don't want to talk in person. That's the end of it. Or if they do it again, say, I'm taking your fucking Twitter away, goddamn idiot, or I'll take your job away. Settle it privately. You're in the same company. Unless we book you to fucking be mad at each other. And then have at it. As long as both sides are working, that's fine. If a wrestler in the same company as another wrestler is using Twitter to piss that guy off, and it's not part of the program you're selling tickets to, shut it down. Tell Get along or get it on one or the other. Do it in the back.
0: And what are your thoughts on Danielson being the blackjack mulligan to
1: Tony Khan's George Scott? Well, again, it's it's ridiculous. Yes, everybody respects Brian, but you don't want to put him in a position, well, well, I'm... I'm the uh, point person for the three man committee that decided we need to find you because you were a stupid idiot on Twitter. What the fuck? Can Tony not take any responsibility for anything? And then who would find Brian if he did something? Apparently, I guess he'd have to find himself. I did that one time. You find yourself? Yes. I was late to a goddamn OVW show. So I find myself $50. All right. Well, hopefully you found yourself. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, Jim uh, any thoughts on the passing of Norman Lear
1: this week yes I didn't realize he was a hundred and fucking one and that would have meant that when all in the family debuted he was 49 years old and who would have thought that a person would be already in middle age when he revolutionized the television industry 50 fucking two years ago that's amazing
0: The way he died is like everyone, not everyone, but it's like, what's the perfect way to die? Oh, I'd like to be 101 years old with my family around me singing songs.
1: That's how he died, apparently. 101. I don't know about the 101, though, because, god damn. He was active until the end, wasn't he? Well, I, I don't know. I hadn't been paying attention to him lately. I'm glad he made it this far, but I know what I feel like at 62. Another 40 fucking years? I mean, at at some at some point, you know, did you see Jimmy Carter the other day?
3: He's I not did. looking
1: his best. Again, he's in. He's ninety nine. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, but I'm wondering is he having a, is he having a good time hanging around the house these days? Well, speaking of good time, what is your favorite Norman Lear show? It's got to be All in the Family. Sanford and Son would be a close second. But I think, because All in the Family started everything. It was like the ECW of sitcoms. What do you think of the Jeffersons? Some things to thank and some things to blame. Love the Jeffersons, especially classic theme song. But uh, I liked, actually, the Jeffersons when they were characters on All in the Family because of that interplay, more than the... The series. Which Lionel did you like? The original Lionel or the one the, the, oh, the original Lionel. The other Lionel was fanned <laughs> as goddamn Brandon Cutlet. And then and and Good Times was okay, but again, um, I think I liked Maud because that you know, good times spun off of Maud. Did he but have the best y- run of theme songs for his shows? Yes, they were all great. Every one of them, yeah. Especially the first couple of seasons where Maud's theme song had 14 stanzas. <laughs> <laughs> right? it and more on the screen, yeah. And more Adrian Barbeau, Miss Wrestling in San Francisco. That's right. Yes. She was one of the Miss Wrestlings that stood there in front of the the uh, board and and talked about the upcoming cards at the Cow Palace. And she was later in a movie with Ox Baker, Escape from New York. It met uh, 6 degrees of separation with Roy Shire. Ox Baker and Adrian Barbeau.
0: Did you see that in the theater because of the wrestling connection? Did you know oh, Ox yes.
1: Baker was in it? Oh, yes, yes. I'd bet if Ox worked for Bruiser in Indianapolis in 75. So the promos and the face and everything, oh my God, that was so anytime from that point on that Ox Baker was mentioned, I was there for it. And then that was the rib in the business at the time. He got killed in the movie and still didn't take a bump. He just, he fell forward and
3: (laughs) think about it. It's true. Yeah. He got
1: hit with the baseball bat with the nail in it, stuck in his head. And he fell forward and hung on the ropes of the makeshift ring in that, you know, uh, underground fight club atmosphere. They had, he'd never actually went down. So he was the only man in wrestling that could die and still not take a bump.
0: Jim, another question for you. With all the issues happening in AEW, and a lot of people have noticed a change in maybe what you see on camera, some of the tone of things, either sillier or more serious at the same time, news that AEW has parted ways with Kevin Sullivan, not the wrestler, <laughs> but the guy in the truck. What are your thoughts on AEW?
1: Because you know Kevin Sullivan from TNA, right? Yes. And I know there's been a lot of confusion. because How many Kevin Sullivans can there be, right? But. Uh, Not the wrestler, the Kevin Sullivan in television production worked extensively back in the mid and late 2000s, and I don't know how long he was there for TNA. And he started um, when AEW started, uh, some of the guys had been uh, worked with him at that company, and apparently they hired him away. And Keith Mitchell, the producer who goes back to not only WCW, but world class wrestling, I've mentioned him a lot. He probably had a part to play in that because they'd worked together and they brought Keith in. And I guess they were doing the post-production down in Nashville at a facility down there. But point is, I've heard nothing but good about Kevin Sullivan, the production guy. He's done a lot of good work. I don't know what the issue was. And the only thing that was reported was the, the new guy, Michael Mansouri, I guess, that they got from the WWE. Uh, that took over production not long ago had made that decision and it may not even be anything like there was a problem with his work. It just, they want a new look or this guy wants to bring his own guys in that's it happens in TV. Like it happens in wrestling, but uh, he's done. Kevin has done a variety of work. He's got 20 years experience in this at this point. So I would assume he'll stick around wrestling in some capacity, but, That's all I know about it right now.
0: In general, I don't know how many times it's happened to you during your career, where the producer or the director of the show changed place, or there was a change in the role. I
1: guess has that ever happened to you? Well, not really. uh, The until I went to work for the WWF in '93, I'm not saying the television production people weren't important. I'm going to say that. I probably knew more of them than most of the wrestlers who never spoke to any of the production people at all, and it was always ingrained, because you didn't officially, back in those days, you didn't speak to anybody as if they were smart unless you were told that you could by somebody in the business that you knew could make that decision. So a lot of the talent wouldn't mix with the production people. I always did more of that because either I was relaying instructions, uh, you know, to my guys or how is this going to be shot or maybe every once in a while before we had producers, I would give the director a word at the studio in Atlanta if both Bobby and Dennis were going to or Bobby and Stan were going to come off the top at the same time in opposite corners or whatever. But in in the 90s it became more important because not only did the television get more produced and You know, time down to the second, and everybody was assumed to be smart by that point. But that's when the look of the show changed. In the the territory days, you were mostly limited by your setup and your equipment. If they got a new director at Channel 5 in Memphis, he might decide, well, I'm going to put some colored lights on the fucking curtain in the back that was maybe about as much change as he could go for. He couldn't all of a sudden say, well, we're going to fly a fucking lighting rig in the studio. We're going to have a goddamn jib camera to fly over the crowd or whatever. It was you were shooting, you know, what you had to shoot in as economical and easy a way with as small a crew as possible. But then, in the modern era, changes in a production... Head or an executive producer or a director because they have a budget can lead to changes in the way the show is shot or formatted or looks and that's where the WWF used to start going back and forth about the giant stage designs and getting creative service people involved in crafting these things and set decorators and we're going to change the way the cameras are positioned or, we're, you know, we're changing to high def. It, it, that stuff is a modern era thing. So it didn't really happen a lot to me because by that point, I would graduated from the big budget productions and was doing my own goddamn small budget productions. And we shot the same shit the same way because that's all we could afford.
0: All right, Jim. Well, let's talk a little bit about retro wrestling figures for a moment. Uh-oh. I have a
1: few different things here. Let me speak up. I'm
0: getting away from the mic. I
1: have a variety yeah, of things. It's like the old request. Can you sing far, far away? From the... I'm trying to see exactly who
0: made this because I thought it was one I'll come back to this one in a moment. From Epic Toys, I have the Blue mini action figure in the Hasbro
1: WWF style. What do you believe his finishing maneuver would be named? What, now, hold on. I'm trying to reflect back, if I can, on the Blue Meanies' career. I don't remember him ever winning. Well, he won matches. I wouldn't... Did he win? Of course he won matches. And what did he use for a
0: finish? I can't tell you that. I think that may in some way trigger an answer that wouldn't be
1: genuine. Well, in that case, I'm going to say he his finish is the 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 Blue Cyclone.
0: Ah, good guess there. His finishing maneuver, Meanie Salt Madness. <laughs> Meanie Salt Madness. He's also known as the Blue Guy. And he finishes his opponent with the Meanie Salt, it says. Well, they call it Meanie Salt Madness on the front, but. And he's from Pepperland, naturally. All right, well, from the same line of toys, but it says here it's from Figure Collections. So now I don't even know exactly who to give credit to. Who to blame? To. Yeah, well, this one is a Gangrel figure. Gangrel, David Heath, with a little glass of blood. I was about to say red wine. A little glass of blood
1: wouldn't be red wine. What would his finishing maneuver be, Gangrel? Well, because the the whole brood, they were vampires, and he drinks the blood. Would now, But, you know, the finishing maneuver could either be the bite, or could it be the impaler? No, that was what Edge did. Um, how about the the neck gri- grip, or the neck bite? It's like the other day when you said, it can't be Memphis, and it was Memphis. Oh. The finishing move, the Impaler. But I thought that, that actually is something that Edge called one of his moves, right?
0: On the back it says, since 1987, Gangrel has been brooding in the shadows of the wrestling world, keeping his opponents on edge. With one of the most deadly DDTs Ah. in wrestling. There it is, the Gangrel figure. I also have here... I have a few of these. I wanted to get your opinion on these descriptions. Uh, This is from the WWE Mattel Greatest Hits figure line. They put out some figures of some of the wrestling legends. I have one here for the British Bulldog. What do you think of this description? British Bulldog had a long and storied career with the Hart family. He began his career as a student of Stu Hart and trained in the legendary Hart dungeon. He battled Brett the Hitman Hart in the legendary SummerSlam 1992 main event until eventually uniting with his family in 1997 as part of the Hart Foundation faction. And obviously they got the year wrong the first time because 97 is a sticker. On top of whatever year they have there. What do you think? Is that, a, is that an okay description for Hart Foundation-era British Bulldog?
1: Well, almost none of that is true. Um, he, he wasn't trained to wrestle by Stu Hart? He didn't begin his career with Stu. He was wrestling in England as young David. That's right. Before he ever came to Calgary and further trained with Stu, but he didn't start there. And what what else did they say? I'm grabbing it here again. He began his well, career with, as a student of Stu Hart
0: and trained in the legendary Hart Dungeon. Battled Brett in the main event of SummerSlam 92, eventually united. the okay, family. Okay, sk-
1: skipping over the previous 10 years of his career that he'd spent in Calgary, <laughs> much of which was uh, on the same side of the Hart family, wasn't it? Until he switched heel. Not according to Mattel. Well, I think we need to call Mr. Mattel and have him come in here and explain some of this shit. Well, let me find out what you think of this next one. This And, is, and regardless of what the the sticker was covering up, see, they're trying to cover up further indiscretions. Well, maybe there's some kind of cover-up. Jim, the next figure I have here. Maybe is it was Thinking they
0: covered up. <laughs> Jerry Thinking Lawler. Still Jerry the greatest thinking one Lawler. ever. Well, Jim, the next one here. I have Greg the Hammer Valentine. This is Rhythm and Blues era Greg Valentine with the... Black hair and the guitar. What do you think of this description? Greg the Hammer Valentine spent much of his career as a loner. But in 1988, and that's wrong, he dyed his trademark blonde hair to jet black, picked up a guitar, and formed the tag team Rhythm and Blues alongside the Honky Tonk Band. The duo celebrated at WrestleMania 6 where they pulled up in a pink Cadillac and delighted the fans with their song, "Hunka Hunka Honky Love.
1: Some of that's true. (laughs) A little bit more. Poor Greg Valentine. That had to be a rib on him, right? Because the exact opposite of anything that Greg ever would do as a person or would ever do as a professional wrestler, all in the same package. The dyed hair, the hokey, they... It had to be another rib on a guy who they thought had no personality because Greg had been hailed as one of the great in-ring performers in the business at that point in time. He had not actually been a loner that whole time. He and Flair for about two years were the top heel team in the Carolinas made a fucking fortune. But I digress. Well, This
0: was at a period of time where WWE WWF at the time started phasing out wrestlers with just names you know, everyone began yeah. their gimmick. Greg Valentine was a holdout still. He was still just Greg the Hammer Valentine. This gave him some WWE pizzazz. This gave him a hunk, a hunk, a honky. Well, finally here for the greatest hit series from Mattel, I have the Ultimate Warrior, 1991 edition. What do you think of this description, Jim? At Royal Rumble 1991 for the WWE Championship, Sergeant Slaughter searched through infrared for his lost soldiers. But Ultimate Warrior stood in his own silence, surrounded by his warriors. Ultimate Warrior walked not as a lieutenant, but as a sergeant. Oh, not as a sergeant, excuse me, but as a five-star general of the Warriors in caps.
1: What do you think? Is, about- this, is this one of those fucking Google <laughs> translations from another language? Did he write this from the afterlife? <laughs> It sounds like the warrior speaking, but it doesn't sound like a description of anything that ever happened with the warrior. But uh, that's why, is this like, is it made in China, and they put it in, okay, translate this in English, and that's what we get? Let me remind you, Royal Rumble 91, the Ultimate Warrior lost the title to Sergeant
0: Slaughter when Macho Man Savage hit him over the head with the Golden Scepter. According to Mattel... Sergeant Slaughter searched through infrared for lost soldiers, but Ultimate Warrior stood in his own silence. Uh, well, I guess that's better than sitting in your own feces, but... I guess so. Well, Jim, let me ask you about two yeah. more things here. I got the brand new zombie sailor black strap Andre the Giant figure. This is absolutely gorgeous, I have to say. They did a blue strap on. I didn't one. even
1: know they did it. an Andre the Giant black strap on.
0: Not strap on, a, a black strap, the black... A unitard or whatever he wore in the ring. Oh, the shoulder strap. That's right. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Now I'm with you. On that topic, they previously did a blue one because that's what he wore at the end of his WWF run. What did you think when Andre turned heel that that is what his outfit became? And it's kind of become the iconic Andre look, funny enough. Like any, not any, I mean, a lot of the merch you see is heel Andre, not babyface Andre, who was a massive yeah. babyface for years. What do you think about that, and what did you think about the look when he turned heel?
1: Well, the iconic Andre look to me, babyface-wise especially, is always going to be the buckskin fringe vest. <laughs> I mean, <that's laughs> the 1973 special. I mean, he wore that everywhere. Um, You needed, first of all, black trunks. Were worn a lot in the old days by babyfaces heels or whatever. But a more black outfit, like Andre, suddenly going. He wore blue trunks. He wore red trunks. Suddenly, he's not only in black, but he's got the singlet. There's more of him covered up with the black. That says heels subliminally, especially in the old days when, you know, things like that mattered. And also, let's face it, at that point, Andre's physique was deteriorating and it kind of if you see any of the pictures there are a few of that point in time where he was in some kind of topless outfit it wasn't a pleasing look and it wasn't doing justice to his monumental stature so it kind of kept him in a little bit there it looked it's like when when Eddie Kingston drops his shoulder straps and he goes from Kind of badass-looking street fighter to, you know, a fucking homeless bum that's pregnant ten months with a watermelon.
0: All right. Well, I knew we would knock someone during this segment, and there's the Eddie Kingston knock, Jim. I'm well, fu- but I bet it was Andre it was going in the same direction, but that kept it in a little better. Our final wrestling toy. We're going to talk about this is magnificent in its crappiness. <laughs> it's not necessarily retro. I got it on Amazon. It is, I'm going to read you exactly what it says on the box. This is the front of the box. There are four figures here. Clearly. Wait a minute, four figures? It's not the Midnight Express set, is it? Absolutely not. This is a bootleg Batista, a bootleg John Cena, a bootleg Seamus, and a bootleg Rock. You could tell who it is because of the tattoo on the rock. With some equipment, including a steel chair, a stepladder, a barbell, and a chainsaw. Oh, as well as a crutch. The name of this is GR. GR, by the way, is in the WWE uh, Attitude Era design. GR Flex Force <laughs> Ultimate Warrior Power. What? It says here, this is a first grade product. Be filled with the tournament stage of intense emotion. Fighting hero. And then at the bottom, it says... <laughs> toy model of a virtual reality. (laughs) And then if you turn it around to the other side, is a picture of the rock, it says, come on, try me. Play with me.
1: I will give you infinite happiness. Wait a minute. Now, I've heard that (laughs) line before, but it wasn't from the rock. (laughs) It was from this quaint little lady at a massage place over in Fresno. Fresno. Well, I was passing through. Didn't know anybody personally. What are your thoughts in general about knockoff toys or
0: bootleg toys? And uh... well,
1: now that that's the that's <laughs> the English translation that I was talking about a little while ago. Like when I read you that that box of instructions on my carpet grippers from China here a week or two ago, and th- it makes sense to them because they think that the words that they uttered or wrote or whatever were translated verbatim, but as we as we now know that these languages have their differences. The question is, is this is this China? Is this where Vietnam, where do they go to do knockoffs that are under the radar to that extent? They can do a box set of Batista, Sheamus, Rock, and you
0: say you know, under are, the radar. It was on Amazon, made in China. <laughs> Made in China. GR Flex Force Ultimate Warrior Power Fighting Hero. Once again, first grade product.
1: Well, now, does that mean it's. Is that their way of saying it's a first class item, or does that mean that it's limited to first graders?
0: Or is it a first rate product? I don't know. And uh, in the picture on here, they have a bootleg Chris Jericho, a bootleg Rey Mysterio, a bootleg Kevin Nash. <laughs> and I can't tell who else is there. Someone's swinging. It. Oh, that's a bootleg Kane swinging the chainsaw. Kane was noted for his chainsaw action. It's on Amazon if you like bootlegs. The ultimate warrior power, Flex Force. Once again, be filled with the tournament stage
1: of intense emotion. You know what? I think one of them ought to call Stephen P. New and have Stephen sh- shut Amazon down. Do the whole world a favor.
0: <laughs> that may happen. But, Jim, before we uh, finish up things here, I want to tell everyone you can call Stephen P. New or you can listen to some great tunes. You can listen to your favorite
1: podcast. I think you could do it all with Raycon. Well, you know, you certainly could because Raycon does everything now. Have you heard about this? Have you read about this? Not only are they doing the everyday earbuds, we've been praising them for, oh, years now. And I mean, people, whether it was say what you want, if you're listening to voices in your own head, the easiest, the least expensive, and the safest way to do it is on the everyday earbuds, but now they've expanded the entire business. They got Raycon PowerTech. They got Raycon Home. They're coming into your homes, ladies and gentlemen. Right now they're they're filtering your water because the new Raycon Home Faucet Filter removes 99.9% of all the contaminants, bacteria, chemicals, DNA, and other space-age microbes that are infecting you on a daily basis every time you take a drink of water or use ice cubes. So you got to get this filter. The 0.1% of shit that it doesn't get out, you're stuck with. There's no way around that. That's what causes the big trouble. But nevertheless, they've also, over at Raycon PowerTech, they've got the magic 180 charging cable. Hyper-speed charging to the IOs and the micro-USBs and the Type-C devices. And as we mentioned, it rotates 180 degrees. Just like Linda Blair's head in The Exorcist, it'll start one way, and it'll turn all the way around. Well, is that 180? Is that 360? Or is 360 two 180s? If you do a 180, do you go all the way around or you just go opposite the way you started at? Two 180s is a 360. Well, in that case, this thing will turn halfway around. It rotates 180 degrees. Now, a lot of times, this is what you need when people tell you to sit on something and spin. Well, you've got this thing that'll turn 180 degrees. That means you're halfway there. It's built for durability. So when you turn this some bitch sideways and shove it up your candy ass, It's not going to fuck it up. And Raycon is known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands because they care. They care about people at Raycon. That's why they have thoughtful features. People have thought about them and come to the conclusion they will not hurt your feelings. And right now, speaking of hurt feelings, you are not going to get your feelings hurt with the amount of money that you're going to save because right now, 15% off your entire Raycon order. When you go to buy buyraycon, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash J-C-E, you're going to get 15% off the charging cable that keeps turning back and forth. We don't know which way it's facing. The faucet filter that's going to remove all the pig urine out of your city water system. The everyday earbuds that's going to give you an easy soundtrack to your life to listen to Why you can tune in anything on these things. Sometimes the wires get crossed and you pick up NORAD signals. Nothing to be worried about. Just don't take anything too seriously. But right now, go to buyraycon.com slash J-C-E 15% off the entire order. Anything on the site perfect for last-minute gifts or ringing in the new year. Or once again, Getting the goddamn feces out of your kitchen sink water. Buyraycon.com slash JCE.
0: That's right, slash JCE, and Jim, let's uh before we get out of here, let's talk about the collision ratings, because we have not talked about them, and this was the first week without any prime competition up against them. Back to the tournament. AEW Collision, December second, twenty twenty-three on TNT. On average did 451,000 viewers.
1: each? Okay, well, they're back up over four, but with no football and no WWE premium live event, that means that the uh, Punk debacle took a couple hundred thousand away from Saturdays, I guess. Well, let's go to the quarter-hour breakdowns. Jim, these were compiled by
0: WrestleNomics. Quarter 1,
1: 8 to 8. And this, f- this was the date of, what was this date? December 2nd. December 2nd, so we don't confuse the people. Quarter 1, 8 to eight
0: fifteen 15 p.m., backstage promos, and the beginning of Claudio Castagnoli versus Brody King with picture-in-picture, 444,000
1: viewers. <laughs> okay, so we can already see that Saturday night is completely different than Wednesday. They don't get a large number on the lead-in, but they don't lose nearly as many of the people that they start with in terms of percentage-wise. Very interesting. We go to quarter
0: two, 8.15 to 8.30 p.m. The continuation of Claudio versus Brody King, John Moxley's backstage promo, and Kira Hogan vs. Abaddon, the <sighs> Julia Hart's post-match, 492,000 viewers. Good lord! Okay, we made some fun of that. And the uh... high point in the key demo, 203.
1: Well, we made some fun of that, you know, the the whole show on the, the last program that we did, just that they, they aired the thing to begin with, and that their choices, and how did they manage to pick up 50,000 people for that segment? Was that a gift? I don't know.
0: Maybe someone was into the tournament match. You don't know. But the next segment, quarter 3 8:30 to 8:45 p.m.,
1: after they've seen Abaddon versus Kira Hogan.
0: Samoa Joe and Roddy Strong in the Kingdom's backstage angle, an ad break, and the start of Andrade El Idolo versus Daniel Garcia with picture in picture and a full screen ad break. 444,000 viewers.
1: Okay, they're right exactly back to the exact number they started with. So People abandoned Abaddon.
0: We now go to quarter 4, 8.45 to 9 p.m. Continuation of Andrade versus Garcia with the post-match with Matt Menard. A recap of Dynamite. An ad break. Willie Max backstage promo. Roddy Strong's live promo. And the Kingdom versus the Iron Savages. 485,000
1: viewers. Okay, well, none of that would indicate that you would think that forty thousand more people would jump in and say, "Oh, I got to see this." So I don't know what's going on here. Four forty-four to four ninety-two to four forty-four to four eighty-five, and the nine o'clock hour coming up.
0: That's right, quarter five, the big nine o'clock hour, nine to nine fifteen p.m., the finish of the Kingdom versus the Iron Savages, Ethan Page's backstage promo, a Ring of Honor video and Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel versus Buddy Matthews and Malachi Black with picture-in-picture, 456,000
1: views. (laughs) Okay, and they lose people at the top of the 9 o'clock, so now we've gone 444, 492, 444, 485, 456. They're caught in a trap. They can't walk out. It's, um. so far, 48,000 people back and forth. Well, let's see where they go from here.
0: Quarter 6, nine, fifteen, and 9.30 p.m. The continuation of the... Oh, no, excuse me. The Buddy Matthews Malachi Black FTR live angle. The Tony Storm backstage promo. An ad break. Sky Blues backstage promo.
1: A- you just love Sky Blues backstage. That's what the problem
0: is. Are you talking to me or the audience? You, you. She's all right. Don't go crazy. Christian Cage video, and the beginning of Kip Sabian versus El Hijo del Vikingo. Oh, boy. With picture in picture, 423,000
1: viewers. I can't believe that only ran 33,000 off, but uh, we hit the low point here now in the program. Quarter 7,
0: 930 to 945 p.m., Kip Sabian versus El Hijo del Vikingo continued. A Keith Lee and Shane Taylor backstage angle. An ad break. Another CJ Perry Miro (laughs) backstage angle. And the start of Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston.
1: 402,000 viewers. Okay, and we found a new low, ladies and gentlemen. The bar has fallen. Do they finish up above or below 400,000?
0: Well, we finish with quarter 8, 9.45 to 10 p.m. Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston with picture-in-picture ads.
1: 459,000 viewers. So they actually came back to see the main event with Danielson. He is a name. But they couldn't. That's only the, the main event is one, two, third place in terms of all quarters. But at least they stayed above four.
0: And I guess maybe this may be the new home rating-wise for Collision, wouldn't you think?
1: Well, I mean, unless, until the tournament's over and there might be something advertised that people want to see that's a personal issue or that they're interested in. But there was no WWE conflict. There's no major sports. So I think this is kind of what it's going to be, right?
0: Well, Jim, one last thing before we get out of here. Some news I've seen some images over the last few days has been made. Brock Lesnar's daughter apparently broke the shot put record at carrie von Eric University. I'm not sure where she was to be. No, no, Colorado State.
1: Colorado State. Any thoughts on Brock Lesnar's family having athletic success? I want everybody and I'm not saying anything bad about this young lady. I've never met her. She I'm sure she's a fine girl. She was happy as a clam in the picture that we saw. She set a shot put shattered the shot put record. At Colorado State. And at first, when I saw it on Twitter, I got to be honest, I thought that's dirty that they would do something like this to Brock Lesnar's daughter to make up this picture. And I swear to God, it really, there is no reason, there is no way, it doesn't look like it would be physically possible for a human being to look more like Brock Lesnar than Brock Lesnar's daughter i'm not talking about a familial relationship it looks like that they put brock's daughter's hair on a picture of brock and that's that's not i'm not maligning this young lady but you can obviously tell there's no blood test that needs to be done here and she's got this they're from minnesota i guarantee you brock lesnar has no non-white, non-Norse, non-blonde Danish ancestry in his family for the past thousand years. And his daughter carried that on. She is so white, she's almost translucent. Her blonde hair is... She looks like fucking Edgar Winters' daughter with the hair in that respect. She's an albino. Have you ever seen... Brock only gets color when he gets mad and starts yelling, and his blood pressure rises, and then you can actually see the red blood through his pale white skin. But these people came direct from Denmark, with no stops at all anywhere else. So I, re- and by the way, this is not uh, uh, a progeny of the Sable relationship because. I was telling you before we went on the air, the math adds up. When Brock was here in OVW, one of the ways that he would whine to the office when he would call them to try to get out of Louisville and go back to Minnesota where he could milk the cows on the farm is because his girlfriend was pregnant. And that was 22 years ago. And here's this girl in college, so I assume that's her. And I remember I told you that story one time, Brian, and I said, When I guess he never married the mother and I never heard about the kid again. Well, she's still around. But that was another one of his ways to try to get out of training and get out of developmental and go back to the farm where he could commune with the animals was, please let me go back to Minnesota. My, my girlfriend's pregnant. Well, she gave birth to the lady shot put champion in Colorado. Have you ever tried the shot put? No, I figured I'd just leave it where somebody else put it. You never picked one up. I oh, I've I've touched them and fondled them, and felt their heft and their firmity. I see. But I've never tried to to throw one any any length of space. All right. Well, with the uh, length of space
0: or however we want to apply it here that wraps up another episode of the drive through let's uh get one song and get the hell out of here do we have a good one here do we have a new one here I don't that's, know. that's up that's up to you spike jones let's try this one okay i don't know what it doesn't have anything to do with wrestling it appears this one why don't we try this one which was sent in by steve johnson
3: Jim Crockett, WCW. He started Smoky Mountain, went to WWF, then Ohio Valley, TNA, and Ring of Honor too. Jim Cornette's drive-through. Listen to corny shoe. He's watching modern wrestling and he's wondering why it don't make sense. So thank you, fuck you, bye. Bodies, Owen and TV. Camp Cornette is a surefire bed Better than a bunch of children playing wrestling on TV. Jim Cornette's drive-through. The questions come from you. He's setting out the monster's straight. You know he don't lie. It's his podcast. So thank you, fuck you, bye. Tennis racket in his hand the wisdom coursing through his veins with his co-host Brian the podcasting lion he dreams about pissing on the of shit stain <laughs> Jim Cornette's drive through entertaining you. you know he's watching modern wrestling and he's wondering why it don't make sense so thank you fuck you bye Jamesy Cornette so thank
0: us off let me lower this it appears he's playing us off you know i can't remember if we played that on the air
1: already or if i heard it off the air hold on here's the thing and yes then the applause peters out excellent uh vocals wonderful songwriting a great guitar solo a uh, very entertaining but i swear to god i was getting deja vu at the start of that haven't we heard Something very much like that, if not that that thing. I think it may have been that thing, but it was so pleasant that I just <laughs> let it keep going. Well, there you go. It was pleasant the second time around, too. Well, once again, thank you, Steve Johnson, Coventry, Rhode Island. You can just see yourself driving down the road in a convertible in a summer day listening to that, that tune there. Coventry, Rhode Island, home of the Coventry Specials
0: uh, from Rhode Island, I believe. But with that, the drive-thru is closed.
1: Oh, he's lost it, thank God. Uh-oh. All right. Yeah.
0: We'll be back on the Jim Cornette Experience, wherever you find your favorite podcast, and of course, next week, right back here on the drive-thru, same place, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Get access to the archive going back to You're 2013. You're staying up too late at night, pal. Maybe. Mannix is really good. Uh, the, the, epi- the new episodes of Mannix. The new episodes of Mannix are really good. Every <laughs> night at 2 a.m. on MeTV. Once again, you can go through the archive, patreon.com slash $5 a month, only $5 a month gets you access to the archive going back to 2013, patreon.com slash Don't forget about the official Jim Cornette YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search for Jim Cornette. Clips of the shows, full episodes, omnibus collections, all with the very popular Travis Heckel artwork, the official Jim Cornette YouTube channel. You can follow Jim on Twitter at TheJimCornette. You can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And of course, The Wrestling News. Each and every day, get your wrestling news for free every morning with our wrestling newscast directly from the thewrestlingnews.com or look for Arcadian Vanguard's The Wrestling News wherever you find your favorite podcasts. What's the name of that show again? The Wrestling News. Speaking of news, what's the news at Cornett's Collectibles at JimCornet.com?
1: Oh, just hurry. We're we're overworked, underappreciated, and almost out of stock. Get it while you can. At
0: JimCornet.com. The drive-thru is brought to you by the law office of Stephen P. New, 888-877-877-507. Oh, you ate 8383, get even with Stephen at newlawoffice.com. 83, I ate four. But until the experience in a few days, that's where we were going. And the drive through next week for Jim Cornette. I'm the great Brian last. Tally ho!